This is the Ace Scott Spade. You're listening to Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling Podcast. Listen to it. I dare you. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. This is Steve Bowtie Bryant here. Back in the 90s, I was a pro wrestling photographer for the South. And I released what might have been one of the original sets of indie trading cards. I ran across some of these original sets. They were up in Randall Fanning's attic all this time. PG-13 rookie card. Ricky Morton, George Weingroff as the Sheep, Chris Champion, Reno Riggins, Billy Montana, Gary Valiant, the Scorpion, the Medic, Rick Reynolds, Jeff Daniels, Mephisto and Dante, Ben Jordan, Steve Neely, Marcus Woodrow, Clinton Charisma, Little Farmer John. If you'd like an opportunity to get these cards, contact me now. You can get them for only $49.99. Contact me at stevebowtiebryant at iCloud.com. Get your set now while supplies last. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome one more time to the Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling Podcast, and I'm here as always with the one brother from the same father and mother, Jared, the Plastic Sheik Street. What's up, Sheik? How you doing today? I'm good, brother. How about yourself? Man, I'm good. Just, you know, doing the thing as always. So, yeah, whatever that is. <laughs> Rocking and rolling. <laughs> Strutting and strolling, baby. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. Tell him, Hoot. <laughs> what's going on your way uh, not much just living life working living la vida loca right yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely <laughs> yeah every day goes by in a blur with kids in school so it's just like you blink and it's yeah um, no doubt day. Yeah. Well, something cool's coming up for me, man. I'm actually going to interview Still Real Dave Wheels on Stories from Across the Street. It's That's still real to me. Yeah, I know, man. Yeah, still real for me. Yeah. So, yeah. I, mean, I, can, be I can feel that. I can feel the passion in that. Yeah. I mean, seriously, right? I mean, I, I'm going to find out all that stuff. Like, what was Terry Funk saying? When was he saying it? You know, like, yeah. for saying what needed to be said, you know, like, it's, I yeah. want to know all that. So I'm going to ask Absolutely. him all the details. We'll yeah. Cause it. everybody's just seen the clip of him at that moment, but nobody knows what came before it or anything like that, really. I mean, yeah. Unless you were, yeah. Yeah, everybody just see that clickbait uh, thing, you know, it's on Tosh Point oh and some other stuff. So, yeah, you know, that 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 little clip has has a lot of uh, airtime, but the whole thing, I think many people know, thirty four seconds at most, you know, and oh yeah, yeah. And I, you know, Tosh kind of took him to task and kind of made fun of him a little. I'm going to ask him kind of like seriously as a as a co fan. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I like that. Yeah. Yeah. See how it goes. I mean, Tosh point out the, the job, Daniel Tosh's job is a comedian. So right. You know, you know, that's what he's about. But, you know, there it's um, as a wrestling fan, you know, 
the the realer it can feel, the better it is for us. So, and it's still real to him, damn it. So, yeah. Go. Well, you know, speaking of still real to us, we've got an awesome show today, man. We got the ace Scott Spade on the show today, man. So, yeah, man, it's it's gonna be good. I mean, I'm very Looking interested to. to learn some stuff from him and hear about his story. You know, what's cool is not only has he worked in other territories, you know, such as Chicago area up in, you know, the Midwest and stuff, but also, you know, he's a big fan of the Tennessee wrestling, just like we are. So yeah. it'll be nice to hear his story and see where he's been. I know Rick, Shane, and so many other guys out there in Nashville just love him. So, you know, it'll be exciting to hear what he has to say about them. I think, you know, Oh, absolutely. You know, if he's got, uh, you know, if those guys, you know, are, are big fans of him and like him, then, you know, we know he's going to be a great guy. Yeah. Three people have told me to get him on the show, Shane, Rick, and Ben Jordan. And so that's that's like the four horsemen or three of the four horsemen <laughs> yeah. of the people that I need to hear it from. So, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's going to be a lot of fun, man. You know, of course, we just had Chris Kern on and very happy with that episode. I think a lot of people enjoyed that one. And, you know, coming off Eron and Ben and, you know, all the great interviews we've had. But but I tell you what, that Chris one was a lot of fun too, man. So absolutely, man. They just they just keep getting better and better and better, man. It's um, yeah, yeah. I agree, and you know, I'm excited for this one. So I say, let's go ahead and crank it up. You ready to talk to Scott Spade? Absolutely, let's do it, man. All right, we'll be right back after these messages on "Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling." That's right, it's the talk of Middle Tennessee, the channel you love to hate and the channel you hate to love. It's Brian Turner from Brian Turner's VHS Rehab. And if you're looking for matches from Wolfie D to Jerry Lawler to Dusty Rhodes and the team that put a pimp before your eyes and a goatee between your thighs, Booty Call and Athena, go to LostWrestling.com. See, I made it easy for you. Brian Turner's VHS Rehab. Booyah. Hey guys, this is Wolfie D from PG-13. Check out my podcast, Live and in Color, with Wolfie D every Monday at noon. We're talking Memphis, we're talking ECW, WCW, WWF, everywhere that I've been. We even have some great guests, some Hall of Famers on the show with us. Every Monday, Live and in Color, with Wolfie D. All right, we are back with Give Me Back, my pro wrestling. And Jared, once again, we got an awesome guest who we haven't met before. And as always, I'm very excited to meet him. What about you, Jared? You ready for this one? Man, I'm always ready for him. It's awesome to talk to these guys and get their stories. All right, well, let's wait no longer. Ladies and gentlemen, the ace, Scott Spade. What's up, Scott? Glad you're on the show, man. Guys, thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. Oh, brother. Glad, glad somebody looks forward to it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> My own co-host doesn't even look forward. To it. No, no, that was talking about guests. Just... Oh yeah, sure, guests. I get it. Yeah, yeah. I've We're listened to about ninety-five percent of your episodes, and they're awesome. I, I love listening to them. You guys do a great job. Dude, Scott, that means a lot, man. That really does. That you listen to one makes me happy. So listening to 95% of them, you know, sometime down the future, just close the rest of that 5% gap there. And we'll, uh, <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Well, we start every episode with the number one question, the Sheik's favorite question. He always starts it off on every show, kind of sets the tone. Sheik, take it away. All right, Scott. So, you know, it's, it's always my question that lets us get to know you, lets the listener get to know you and uh, shows us your influences of wrestling. Can you give me a Mount Rushmore, your top 
four or five guys in wrestling history. That's going to be hard to narrow down, but the first one. If you had to take six, it's fine, too. Yeah. Uh, First (laughs) first right away is the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, Hulk Hogan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he he was the biggest name when I, you know, was a little kid watching wrestling. And he's the guy that got me interested in probably 87-ish. You know, him and Andre. That's when I started watching, when he had his feud with Andre. So I'm 42. So if that you can date myself there, you can tell me the era that I grew up in. So same era as us, man. The good era. (laughs) After Hulk is probably Jake the Snake Roberts. Ooh, nice. Um, I love his wrestling style. Um, He is just such uh, the master of psychology, and that's what I kind of like to teach the kids that I train too about it. It's all about psychology. It's not the flipping and flopping junk. It's about why you do it when, why, where, and that's all got to make sense. And he's the master at that. And promos, too. He's probably my biggest influence on promos. Yeah. yeah it's not yelling and screaming. It's you talk with your eyes. Really yeah. serious. And, you know, you're going to listen to somebody like that versus somebody screaming their head off, you know. Uh, oh, totally. Totally. Uh, next would probably be, uh, I know we talked about this earlier, too, uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Terry Funk. Oh, man. Man. Yeah. Rest There's a guy that has done everything from the golden era you know, of the mid sixties all the way up until the 20 teens. And people have asked me, you know, if you could have anybody's career in wrestling, I would pick his because he's seen it all and done it all for over 50 years. Oh man. I mean, the Funker, no question. One of the best, one of the most underrated, even though he's rated very highly, I still think he's underrated. You know, I'm so glad I got to meet him at the cauliflower. I think it was in 2010, 2011, something there. So I got my picture yeah. up on the wall here in my uh, office here. So he's a very, very special. And him passing away a little while ago, that was probably the hardest wrestler death that I've ever had to deal with. That one hit me really, really hard. Yeah, for sure. Who you uh, got next? Number four, in my opinion, I think is the greatest world champion of all time. And that's Harley Race. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I love how that guy moves. I love he just floats around. He dances around. He makes everything look so easy. Yeah. The toughest man that I think has ever lived and could get a great match out of anybody. Gotta be. Yeah. That is, that is it. I mean, dude, Harley Race, you're, you're right. I think arguably one of the greatest, if not the greatest heavyweight champion of all time. No question about it. And he pulled a gun on your, on your favorite. It's like, Yeah. yeah. He came before Ric Flair. It's a little bit earlier, you know, right. era, but I don't know if right. that's anything. But Flair had the thing where he did the same thing every match to a point. Harley sure. was different. I don't know. I always favored Harley. I understand. I mean, do you know Flair took that from Ray Stevens where he yes. went to a yeah, Ray Stevens match and he didn't do the flip over the rope that one match. And he was like, why didn't you do that? And he was like, well, I don't do it every match. And he's like, OK. And I think that like made Flair's decision that he was going to do that every match. So but it makes sense. So, yeah, that's a great guy to learn from, too. That's that's one of the most underrated lost names, I think, in the history of wrestling, too, is Ray Stevens. Amen. Yeah. And there's just not an, enough, um, from what I understand, there's just not enough good video out there of him. Like, no, yeah, because there's not really any video of San Francisco work with him and Pat. Yeah. You know, they're in the yeah. 60s and 70s and stuff. And then him and Bachwinkle, too, were amazing tag team. I know, I know. I mean, like, like, <laughs> it's like an incredible tag team to another. It's almost like the Midnight Express, man, if you think about yes. it. Yes. Yeah. You know, Bobby traded partners, but they were both incredible, you know? Yes, they were. Yeah. yeah, if I give uh, honorable mention number five and number six, I would do Stan Hansen and Bruiser Brody. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. They, I love those guys. They're just unbelievable. How they could just 300 pounders that could just go and go and go. And yeah. they made you believe. Yeah. 
Yeah, I see a theme on your list, man. It's like you liked Hulk Hogan when you were a kid, and then it went bad guy from there. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm super old. I'm 42, like I said, but I, instead of being born in 81, I wish I was born in 51. (laughs) And I would have been around in that time. But right. I like all that. I like the '60s, '70s, and really early '80s era, and I've always yeah. had that that old school mentality. Yeah, my mentor Kenny Still, he's passed on now. He 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 grew up. He was ten years older than me, so he saw all the guys in the '70s, like Harley and like Black Jack Mulligan, and yes. like you know those guys where it's like the you know Don Jardine, you know, and the, those oh, guys spoiler. where it's yep. the great guys, the spoiler, you know. But and then of course the Funker too, which you know, man, I mean Terry Funk was such a chameleon. I, I don't want to get yes, back on him, but he was just such a chameleon. He could do so much, man. Yes, but, he could do any style of any era, and he he. Just like you said, he could form to any era of wrestling, and he did it great, better than anybody. He did. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, I think that's it. Yeah. (laughs) It was a great show. Thanks, Scott. That was all we needed. (laughs) No, I mean, great list, man. Yeah, it was a great list. So, you know, we always kind of, you know, go a little different direction here now. So we've talked about the guys that really influenced you, but now we're going to talk about the man himself, our guest, Scott Spade. Once again, thank you for being on the show. You know, we always like to start with this question after the Mount Rushmore, and that is your younger days, man. Now, again, you're from a different area from 90% of our most recent guests. So this is exciting for us because we're going to learn about a new territory that we haven't heard about as much other than our conversation with Rick Reynolds. So your younger days, brother, where were you born? What high school did you go to? Tell us a little bit about that. All right. Yeah, I'm from just outside Chicago. Uh, I grew up in Lombard, Illinois, which is okay. probably half an hour west of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, grew up there first 35 years of my life so i uh, went to glenbard east high school class of 99 and um class of 99 i hear you there 99. brother yep last one of the century <laughs> yeah i was in that, I, I was in that years already. it's crazy yeah yeah, it I know, yeah my goal was to right out of high school to find somewhere to wrestle i wanted to start wrestling when i was 18 but there wasn't really too many i guess you could say openly advertised schools around here yeah, and I remember every now and then on Raw there would be a co- commercial, maybe thirty seconds, real quick about a, a school. One was for Windy City Wrestling, and one was for a place called I think the Steel Domain. It was called, and I remember like H- trying Steel. to work up the guts to call the phone number. You know, like yeah. I was kind of scared to call because I didn't know if they were going to call me back. And then it's like, okay, what do I do from there? No, yeah. so I wasn't sure. And then uh, I started to go into some local shows to a company called PCW. Uh, they ran in closer to Chicago, and I was talking to the guy that ran the show for a couple of years or so. Never got a really straight answer about what they were going to do or when they're going to train guys. And then uh, where I worked, uh, there was a company that did shows in the town next to it and a town maybe 15 minutes north of there. Mm-hmm. And a place I used to eat lunch all the time. They had a flyer up in the window. I'm like, oh, it's right here. You know, I'll go check it out one day. And it was probably two weeks later. So I went there and it was a place called Classic Championship Wrestling, CCW. And uh, this was in June, I think, of 2004. It was the first time I went to a show. And from the very first match, I'm like, okay, the atmosphere is different. How they put a show on is different. This is where I want to I go to train. And I saw the guys have a lot better work style than the other company did. And I talked to the owner after the match and he kind of set me up on uh, what they call a fantasy camp, which oh. is almost like a tryout to see if you can handle it or if you want to pursue it further, you know, if you like enough to want to seriously consider, you know, signing up to do it. Yeah. So 
um, I had a concert the day before. Usually it was a two-day thing, and I did the whole fantasy camp on Sunday instead of Saturday and Sunday. It was probably four hours of <laughs> different things, the regular rope bumps and simple little things like that. And But he, I was picking it up so quick. He had me doing all the basic bumps as well as just the general, you know, bringing the fan in and doing things like that so and I, it was like a $125 or something like that for the fantasy camp and if you signed up you had to do like 500 down but like that money would go towards your total uh, training payment I guess your training fee I guess yeah. you could say but I gave yeah. him all the money the day I walked in there yeah and he's like, don't you want to try it first I'm like no I am going to do this here's all the money like, <laughs> sure you don't want to try I said no you take this and I'm going to go get ready so I gave him the money and I walked out of the room and started getting changed so it wasn't a matter of if I could do it, it's I was going to do it no matter what. Right. The bug bit you and then it buried itself into your body, basically. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was yeah. born with the bug for sure. Now, now let me slow you down just a second. You, you said something there quickly that I want to touch on. You said you had a concert before and then you did the full day. Of, so obviously, you know. Ace of Spades, Spade, Scott Spade. Obviously, there's a little bit of a hard rock, heavy metal, punk rock element to your style. You know, talk about that before, you know, getting into wrestling. I mean, obviously, you've probably been a music fan all your life as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I grew up on, you know, classic rock. My mom was really into music. So, you know, I love, you know, the classic era, you know, Scorpions, ACDC, all that kind of stuff. But then yeah, yeah. when I found Metallica, then it started getting heavier. Then it went to Slayer. And then my all-time favorite band is Motorhead. Oh, I can tell. That's yeah, where the yeah. name comes yeah. from. And yeah. if there was anybody that was like a living God, Lemmy, the singer of Motorhead, he is my God. Yeah. There you I go. love his lifestyle, his image, and just the carefree, you know, I don't give a shit about anything. I'm going to do your thing. You do my thing. And everybody's happy and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And he's just such a massive influence on not just my gimmick, but just, you know, everyday life. But yeah, yeah I took my name and my gimmick and my look and everything about me kind of from that. I've always been a a poker player, you know, a card player, gambler kind of a guy. So it, sure. it kind of mixed into that same thing. And I used to come out to Ace of Spades song for, you know, for yeah. years and years before that. So yeah. that's, that's where my name came from. Scott is my first name shoot. And then I, I chose Spade for the Ace of Spades. So I, I love that, man. I love that. And, you know, Ozzy's super, I mean, I'm sorry, Ozzy. I recently heard Ozzy talking about Lemmy and, yes. you know, they were good buddies. And, yes, you know, were. he wrote a lot of songs for Ozzy and stuff. And, you know, Ozzy wanted to portray one thing as a lot of people think of, you know, because Lemmy's so many things. First of all, he's, I'm a bass player, but he plays the bass oh, yeah. like a guitar. And so, you know, I, I was, I've been in bands and stuff. And then Motorhead, of course, has been an influence on me just as a bass player. But when it comes down to it, he's much more than that. He's so well-read. He's so intelligent. You know, he's political. I mean, he can talk about anything. And and the conversation I heard with Ozzy recently was talking about mostly that, how, you know, you think of him as this party and rock star. And he is, and he was. But he also had so much more depth to him that a lot of guys maybe didn't know, you know. Oh, yeah. So. He was a very, very smart guy. Yeah, like you said, very well-read. But he always had his jack and his pack of Marlboros every day <laughs> poker machine in the rainbow bar you uh -huh. know, next to his house and stuff like that but yeah I, it, he nobody has ever played a bass like him and nobody no. will play it since and I, i've seen I've them tried. Like 10 yeah. times yeah i've tried you know, to imitate his playing and it's impossible no yeah. yeah 
it's I so mean, hard. It's so simple, yeah. but it's so one of a kind. I don't. It think really it's is. Good. It's the it's the level of distortion. He plays a bass through a guitar amp. Yeah. I mean, he he really is just such an original. And you know, the, he left the bottom end to the guitar, which was an intelligent thing to do for a heavy band because mm-hmm. then you know a lot of bass players, as a bass player myself, and I don't want to get off on this, but you know, you try to fill in that bottom end, and that's important. And I think that's my style. But when it came to Lemmy, he actually took the higher end, and it just made motorhead sound man really did yeah, and there is no band that has ever been louder man that I'm, he would yeah. crank it up he would ask about halfway through the show is it loud enough and then <laughs> people to turn it up higher yeah and i remember I, so, I remember seeing them uh like on a saturday night in milwaukee and then a sunday night in chicago two yeah. nights in a row and i couldn't hear for three days i bet <laughs> so loud but that's how i want it i want it yeah. loud that's the way it's supposed to be yeah when you walk out of the concert you're like did a bomb just go off oh yeah, so yeah like- your ears are ringing your head's kind of foggy <laughs> that was awesome yeah 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 well, well hey dude now that you're talking lemmy and wrestling the guys you've mentioned i this is going to be a great conversation so anyway well hey let's let's pivot back to wrestling here jared go ahead and ask the man the question here all right tell us about your like first match in the business uh my break-in date was august 22nd of 2004 and i was told by my trainers uh jimmy blaze was the guy that broke me in uh the other owner of the company was a guy named dave storm he would kind of come and go with his personal issues that he had at the time so jimmy blaze is my original you know very first trainer uh yeah. he started in windy city uh, 19 January of 1990, I think he started. Yeah. Um, so they, they told me after about a month and a half of training, they said I was ready for my first match. Wow. Wow. It's, it's like, I, I've said it before. I, it's like, I don't want to, it doesn't, I want to come across as like a, a conceited thing, but it's like, I was ready before I was ready. Yeah. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. It because does. I man. watched it as a fan. Yeah. Half the time and the other half, I was like studying it as I was watching it, trying to learn how they did things. Yeah. I just yeah. needed to go somewhere to get trained properly to do it. Right. So I was right. like ready before I was ready, if that makes yeah. sense. You have kind of a natural edit. Yeah. Sounds like. <laughs> yeah. So their, their big show of the year is called Russell Rage. It was, well, CCW was the company at the time. Uh, it's now Powell. Uh, since Jimmy's the sole owner, he changed the name. Um, and it was Russell Rage 2 August, I'm sorry, uh, November 13th of 2004. Very cool. And I wrestled a guy named called Next Generation Patriot. Yeah, I saw that. Now, okay, that was interesting. The Next Generation Patriot. I've heard of the Dark Patriot, of course, Doug Gilbert. I've heard of the Patriot himself, Del Wilkes, or whoever else runs that gimmick now. But the Next Generation Patriot. So that yeah. was just a, an evolution of the gimmick, I'd assume. Well, it it kind of comes from his uncle. Um, okay. His uncle was a guy named Rick Paradise, and he did a American Maid was his like nickname. So he did like a patriotic you know almost like a hacksaw with a carrying the flag around and stuff like that okay so he was that was his nephew so that's how they got like the next generation patriot yeah yeah it's justin james is his name and uh yeah yeah, it was my very first match we were uh i didn't even know i was going to have a match that night all i knew is that my debut was going to be in a battle royal and they used to actually verbally read the lineup okay you know so-and-so here so-and-so there and they said match two spade out first and i'm like what (laughs) (laughs) And he, the guy's just like smiling, looking at me, and he like nods his head. I'm like, oh my god! And like, I don't know if that was better or if it was worse. I think it was probably better because if I knew I had a match, I'd probably be you know super nervous about it. But if I got put on the spot with like a half an hour to go, I'd have to just you know put up and shut up and get it over with. Yeah. So I, it's probably better that it was done that way as a surprise versus you know thinking about it for a month or so. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, what was the culture like of that locker room when you started working? 
How, how did it was amazing? Uh, yeah. they were, we call it the original five. Um, the guys that started training that company that Justin James he started the year before, I think when he was 16. Okay. He was really young and he was an amateur wrestler kind of half of the year, and then he did pro stuff when wrestling gotcha. season was off. Okay, and then there was a guy named Kanoa who did a Hawaiian gimmick. I think he started in February of 04, and then Rough Crossing and Chris Cairo, the other two guys that came before me in, I think it was March of 04, and I started in August. Yeah. So those are the original five trainees of the company. That's awesome. Started, and we just, it was instant bond, especially with me and Rough and Cairo. We were yeah. we off right away, mostly because the music thing. Yeah. yeah. We were all into music and stuff, and it, we just hit it off really, really well. And it was, training was rough. It wasn't like it was in the... In the old days where it was, you know, beat somebody up until, you know, you don't want them to come back kind of thing. Right. But it, I almost wish it was that way because I love that training style because that way you weed out the people that shouldn't be in. Because, <laughs> you know, I'm super protective of the business and the secrets and everything about it. And if I had my own place, you know, solely, I would kind of do it that way. Oh, yeah. I hold, love it. you know, yeah. the secrets in such high regard and, you know, kayfabe. I'll protect it with my life. And I, I will openly admit that I'm that serious about, you know, my passion for the way I think wrestling should be done and the secrets and the, you know, honoring everybody that comes before you and all that kind of thing like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, that's cool. So it looks like in 2005, from my research, you end up working for Universal Wrestling Enterprises and Eric Freedom in Michigan. Talk a little bit about, I guess, your journey from working in Chicago to getting that job and working there some too. Yeah. Eric Freedom is a really good friend of mine. Uh, I think we're closer now than we ever have been. Uh, when I first started going to the shows, he and Forsaken were in a feud for quite a long time. And man, those guys were just, they stood apart from all the other guys on the show. They had such a heated feud and everything they did every time was different and they would brawl over the building and it was just, it was unbelievable. So yeah, immediately yeah. right away when I was going to the shows, you know, Forsaken was my guy because it yeah. was the dark, it was the evil. And I just loved, he was huge and he was just unbelievable. He was a killer. Yeah. Andrew Chris Danger is amazing too. Um, learned so much from those guys and I will get into to Rick later but yeah he's he's my mentor and he taught me everything about psychology and I know we'll get into it later but uh, Eric Freedom is the guy who that's his company UWE yeah yeah so he used to have a bunch of the trainees come up and do a bunch of shows there so that, that's kind of how the connection was that's very cool yeah because I mean our, our interview with Rick he was awesome and, and again I knew him and worked on some shows with him and knew he's just a guy that carries such respect you know so when he brings up all these names you know Jimmy Blaze Dave Storm Eric Freedom you know and then of course Scott Spade I mean you know it's just cool to kind of start to put some of these puzzle pieces together as far as how that works so you go from Illinois to Michigan Michigan. Now, again, I know in the Tennessee region, there's no licensing. In Kentucky, there is a commission. It's kind of like the Gestapo a little bit in Kentucky. But is there stuff like that also up in, in Illinois? And I know there's not in Illinois, but is there that in Michigan? Is there a commission in Michigan at all? No, there is no commissions in those states anymore. No. Yeah, good deal. Yeah, there's not many left. That's for sure. Yeah, well, Virginia and Kentucky will, for some reason, hold on to the last one. I think they'll be. <laughs> yeah, I got uh, licenses, I think, for 2011 and 2012 for Kentucky, but I actually never ended up wrestling there. Yeah, I worked there quite a bit, actually, and I didn't think I would at first. I was like, why did I get this? This is dumb. I worked one show. And then I ended up working for Bird in Illinois in a little town in the middle of the court of the, the town. It was a small town just south Illinois, and it was just past Metropolis. And I remember oh. working for Burt Prentice there and it was just in the middle of the town. And I was like, there's not going to be anybody here. And all of a sudden people just 
poured to this little spot and there ended up probably being like two, 300 people there just in the wow. middle of the town, man. It was cool. That so, cool. Yeah. yeah. I think the one thing that kind of hung me up on ten, or, um, Kentucky too, is that if there's a commission, there's no blood. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I love the color red. If you know, ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It means green, like right? Red makes green. Yeah. Red makes green. That's, the I story. love it. I absolutely love to do it. You know, only do it when it makes sense, but I love, I'm an addict. I love it. Yeah, I co-host another podcast, Wolfie D, and Wolfie was kind of the juicer of the PG-13 tag team, yep. and then yep. and then when it comes down to it, we know that Hot Rod Biggs, one of our former guests, you know, Chris Kern was talking about how he would juice just to juice sometimes. Yes. <laughs> so you know, I could if it were, if I didn't care so much about things making sense, but yeah, I could probably do that too. Yeah, and and don't get me wrong, Hot Rod <laughs> is the king of things making sense, but I think he's just a pretty juice happy guy. It's like oh, yeah. if a hard if a hard way happens, he's cool with it. But, oh, yeah, I'm the same way. If it's a yeah. hard way, it's a bonus, and I'm happy. Yeah, I get, <laughs> or I get a busted lip or a busted eye or whatever. Hey, I get free yeah. juice. Yeah. yeah. I, I like it's, it, too. It's funny. I don't want to go into my stuff too much, but the only hard way I ever had, and it was the only time I got color, was from Sam Shaw. He's now, what's his name in WWE? He's, Dexter Loomis. Uh, Dexter Loomis, yeah. He does a Alabama jam off the top rope and uh, catches my lip. I placed my face in the wrong direction and caught every bit of it and busted my lip. It was oh, great. Yeah, that, yeah. That's, a good, that's a good shot from all the way up there. Yeah. yeah, coming by it honest, though, you know, hard ways are fun. So Yes, they are. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about, uh, you know, meeting like the Tennessee guys and, and just like your first thoughts and everything like that. Oh, my God. Um, Tennessee <laughs> to me is so sacred uh, because it's, you know, Memphis has always been one of my favorite territories. Oh, yeah. And to me, Tennessee wrestling is my home away from home. It's my favorite place in the world to wrestle because it's like going back in time. Yeah. The fans care. You can get insane heat. Still believe. I, yeah. Oh, my God. It's so much fun. And that's a, that's the land of psychology. Yeah. I tell well, that's where I got my degree in psychology was from working in Tennessee. Amen. They teach Shakespeare there, you know. <laughs> and my my hero, my mentor, the guy that I've always wanted to be like was Forsaken, Rick mm. Reynolds. Yeah, me too. He taught <laughs> me so much about everything. And yeah. he's one of those guys that he, he almost is like Andre the Giant. Right. Yeah. yeah. If he lets you in, be very proud that he did because it's a very, very few select people that he does. Yeah. If he, you know, if he likes you, he will give you everything. And if he mm-hmm. doesn't like you, you will know it, and you will know it fast. You'll get all the other stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, I've seen quite a few things of times happen. And again, it's it's not that he has, you know, a temper or what. It's it's all justified because he's standing up for what's right and what he believes in and protecting the business. Yeah, and I've. I've always wanted to just be like him. I never wanted to go to WWE or WCW or whatever because I think everything like after 1992, that's like my cut fear isn't any good. And I haven't watched it on TV since 2002. I watch it in fast forward, but yeah, same thing. Man. I don't pay attention to anything. It's like I don't want to know anything, and I, I hate that word entertainment. To me, it's right. still a sport, and it means a lot to me. It has to, man. It has to. Yeah, you so know. My, my actual second match that I've ever had was – in Springfield, Tennessee. Wow. Okay. Now we got to hear about this. Okay. So I had that first match at Russell Rage, and it was in Woodstock, Illinois. And then I guess in uh, every Thanksgiving, starting the year before that, uh, a group of the guys from my company up here will go down to Forsaken's uh, to wrestle on Thanksgiving night, and then that Saturday also. 
huge night. Yeah. Yep. So it happened where uh, Dave Storm and Rough Crossing and another guy named Joey Chichi were going to go. But then Joey had something come up and he couldn't go. So Dave called me at like one o'clock in the afternoon on Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving. Yeah. And he said, uh, hey, would you want to go to do this? And I said, uh, yeah, give me a minute. Let me ask my boss. And he didn't care. So I'm like, I'm on my way. So I left yeah. right there, went home, cleaned up, got my bags, and they picked me up. And we headed right there down to uh, there. And we stayed at uh, Forsaken's house. Uh, I think he lived in Laverne at the time. And then, uh, yeah, Thanksgiving night was uh, Springfield, Tennessee for uh, Mike Porter for NWA main event. Oh man, that's the that's the promotion I started working for. What what year was that again, Scott? The exact date is yeah. November twenty fifth, two thousand four. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, about seven years too early, but yeah, man, I worked <laughs> for Porter too. But if Porter now, I would assume now, and I'm not asking specifics, but was there a payday involved for you? Uh, yeah, he's notorious for not paying. Amen. I, yeah, I remember doing a show a couple years later, actually in Nashville. And he didn't pay on that one, but I, I don't. It's been so long ago. I don't remember on those first two shows. Was that in paid or not? Was that on Trinity Lane at that church building that he ran? I, I don't. That's the only time I ever wrestled in Springfield, so I'm not sure. No, uh, in Nashville. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, yeah. It was. It was like a school gym or like a recreational gym kind of place. Yeah. Like a big open gym with basketball nets and stuff. I don't yeah, know that's, if it was the church part of it or not. Yeah, it was a church fellowship hall. <laughs> and I don't know how he ended up in that building. If it had been anybody else, like our buddy Kroll or somebody, I, I feel like that would have been a packed building. But Porter just, he was in the old Carney. He was one of the old last Carnies, man. Him and Bert yeah. were. I know, never knew that he wrestled too until way later. Yeah, yeah, he was a wrestler. He he was actually the original Mephisto of Dante and Mephisto. Oh, that's right. Okay, which has great ties to Rick Reynolds. But again, yes. not knocking. You know, he's passed on now. He was a, a legitimate right. funeral director, and he also, okay. you know, did his own thing with the you know uh, deceased and stuff. And 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 I'm not painting negative connotations on that, but maybe yeah. there are some. But. He is notorious for horrible pay. But, you know, when you would travel, you know, if you would travel, I mean, I got to manage Dutch Mantel uh, against oh, Jerry Lawler for Dutch. for <laughs> Mike Porter and Burt. So it's That's he cool. would pay when you went out of town. But when you were in town, he treated it like Memphis TV or something. So. Yes. I think I remember hearing a reference to say it's something like TV off. I'm doing the show or whatever. Um, you know, yeah. you don't get paid. I, like I said, I only remember that one show and that one in Nashville. I wrestled Derek Neal. Yeah, Derek's He's great. He's done better things here. And I, I haven't seen him since that match, so I haven't seen him in a long – I think that was 2011. Yeah. So well, it's been a long time since I've seen him. Breaking news, Derek Neal is our very next guest, brother. Is it really? Yeah, <laughs> that's hilarious. Derek's <laughs> that's cool. great. Yeah, Derek's great. He's definitely one of those real dudes that loves it and cares about it like you do, man. So Yeah, I think he was in – I don't remember if a year or two after me, but he, you know, he was really short hair, clean cut, and I see now he's got really long hair and he's got a bigger yeah. body. And, yeah. yeah. He's looking good now. A very big fan of Derek since the start, just a class act. And like I said, he reminds me now that I've talked to you some, it reminds me a lot of you, how you care about it so much that you would, you know, literally die for the business. So yeah. I got a funny story too about that, that first uh, match. Um, yeah, it was the Thanksgiving night one. It was uh, myself and Damien was my partner. So Rick still worked the Damien gimmick down there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I was scared to death. Because Mike didn't like Forsaken. He, for some reason, wanted him to do the Damien. So yes. I remember Rick saying he didn't like the Forsaken character. So, 
Yeah. I mean, he was so well known as Damien down there, and he just started exactly. shaking when he came up by us. Right. So maybe to do something different or new. And that's when he did face paint. He didn't wear a mask up by us. Right. right. Shaken was right. always face paint, and Damien was always a mask. Yeah. But just thinking, like, oh my God, if I screw up or do anything, this guy's going to kill me. You know, because I knew of his reputation, and I just wanted to uphold, you know, his name and not do anything stupid or whatever. So it was me and him against Dave Storm and Rough Crossing, and we go out there. And, oh, before we went out, I remember standing. Uh, and it, the cool thing about that is they have in separate heel and babyface entrances. Yep, exactly. That's not done up here. So right. it's just so cool to kind of be in the last era, I think, they got to experience that. And then actually having, you know, separate locker rooms, too, is yeah. an amazing thing to experience, too. It I, is, man. Yeah. If I had my own thing, I would do that now just to make sure these guys can just go out there and work. None of this yeah. planning crap. Right. You know, just go out there and do it. Yeah. So the standing there before, go out there, show starts. I asked him, okay, wh- what do you want me to do? Do you need me for anything? He just stands there with his arms crossed, just looking at me, doesn't say a word. I'm like, okay. You know, I'm starting to sweat a little bit more, sweat a little bit more. And I asked him maybe two or three times, and then the match before us was done. And I asked him again, I said, okay, you know, please, can you tell me, you know, just so I know something to do? And he's just standing there like a stone face. Just looking at me through his mask and doesn't say a word. And then the music hits and it's the Halloween theme. I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I'm going to die. You know, he's going to kill me. You know? <laughs> yeah, like, I better do something good, you know, and not screw anything up. And we get out there and do our thing. And the match was the shits. I mean, I mean, it was my second match, but I was so scared and so nervous, you know, being in, down there. And I, I didn't want to disappoint him. And yeah, uh, yeah. he did the chain passing back and forth. We had the little dog chain and then, you know, he choked. Uh, the guy that he was working on and then you know he'd pass it to me and I'd put it in my singlet and the one time where uh, he got bumped down I think uh, I think it was I don't think it was for the hot tag I think it was sometime in the heat where he cut somebody off and he was asking for the chain he's like give me the chain and I reached in my singlet and it was gone (laughs) and and I keep digging I'm digging he's like give me the chain give me the chain he started to yell and I'm like and then I hear him say give me the goddamn chain like screamed it I'm like I don't have it and then I'm looking all around, and it actually, when I bumped one time and rolled out in the uh, comeback, it actually fell out of my singlet. And it was, I looked down right off the apron, and it was right there on the floor. Oh, man. So I saw it, I looked down there, I saw it, and I grabbed it, and I slid in, and I handed it to him. And by then, the whole kind of comeback was all screwed up and this and that. And we, I think he hit him with the chain and rolled him up, and we screwed him on that finish, and then just kind of got out of there. And he yeah, didn't really yeah. say anything to me in the back, because he, he knew I was, like, extremely upset with myself for, you know, screwing the whole thing up. And I, I was really hard on myself. You know, I wanted everything perfect. You know, even it was only my second match, but you know, I didn't want to disappoint him because I looked up to him so much. And yeah, I was bummed. I didn't even really say anything the whole rest of the night. I don't even know if I said much the next day, you know, cause I was just thinking about, cause I knew we had the rematch on Saturday just to think about, okay, what am I going to do to fix this? That's mm-hmm. the thing I was, how can I redeem myself? Yeah. So uh, this, that next Saturday, it was same thing. It was Mike Porter was promoting at Freddie Morton's auction house. Yep. Which that's Columbia. probably the place that I've wrestled more than any other place in Tennessee is in, in Columbia. That's awesome. That's my favorite place in the world. I love that place. Yeah, they're the literal last place on earth. I mean, there's a se- there's a couple others, but Columbia is one of the last places that wrestling is still real, damn it. You know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and that, that place is such a hot draw for wrestling. It's always has been. There's been a lot of buildings in the area, too, that run shows, and there's yeah. no bigger name, I think, in Columbia than my other good buddy, Shane Morton. Oh, love him. Yeah. He, he's, acting, he he's treated like a god. And to, I mean, I, he's the greatest baby face I have ever been in the ring with. Yeah. Yeah. Hand down. 
Yeah. I have never seen anybody get the sympathy from a crowd. And man, can he color too? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I've seen him head to toe on occasions. <laughs> I remember oh, the God. first time I saw him, I was like, bro, are you okay? And he's like, what? I'm fine. And I'm like, and I'm looking at a face that looks like, you know, Carrie from the Steve. Oh, yeah. Movie, you yeah, know no. what I'm saying? Yeah, he, yes, he was I've a believer. I myself man. that second night. Everything went great. Hit The crowd was into it. And then after that, you know, I could smile again. And Rick was like, oh, yeah. you know, you fixed everything you wanted to. You did good out there. And. You know, he he never gave me a hard time, never did nothing like that, never yelled at me, you know, like that. But because I think he he saw that I was really hard on myself and stuff like that. And then ever since then, um, he really took me under his wing and he would whenever he would come up to the promotion up here, he would stay with me. So I'd pick him up from the airport. You know, we play golf in the morning on Saturday morning and then we go to the show and then, you know, I drop him off at the airport. So it was all weekend long with him. And I think that's another thing that's missing these days from the young kids is the car rides. Oh man! Yeah, yeah. I was just about to ask you that. Tell us about some of those, especially going to Tennessee, coming back. I would love oh, to hear some. just well, just him being up here with me, going to the shows up here. It's like there's so much knowledge that is passed on in the car. Yeah, that yeah. These kids in the last, like I said, I think I might be the last, you know, class that came in that got trained, they got to experience that, where they got to do the car rides with the older guys, and it's like you want to, you know. Think of ideas of what you want to do, you know, before you get there. And then, you know, you get analyzed by a vet after mm-hmm. the show. You should have did this here. You should have did this here. Why'd you do that? You could have did this. So, I mean, that's where you really, really learn is in the car with, you know, with an older guy. And a lot of guys used to break in in the old days. You know, a brand new guy would get put in a tag team with a veteran wrestler. Yeah. And that's yeah. like the best way to learn because you're actually out there in the ring and he's teaching you on the job. Yeah. But those car rides are so important. I remember oh. my my few car rides that I would take with certain guys. Like you know, I just I just am so appreciative of those times. I know so much. Not like you said, so much knowledge is is gained just for the young guys in those car rides, yes. and and that's part of the the deal, man. That's getting those car rides and and just shutting up and listening, but also asking questions when it's time. You know. Yes. And yeah. So just give me one thing that maybe you really learned from Rick. I mean, I know there's millions, but one thing that in those car rides, what one thing that you really sticks with you that was like, man, that is part of it for sure. Um, always kind of carry yourself in a certain way where, um, I don't want to say make people respect you, but always carry yourself in a way where they don't even think about messing with you. Yeah. Or, you know, carrying yourself in a certain way where you don't want anybody to screw around with you. Never let anybody take advantage of you. Um, he used to say a lot of stuff like that, you know, if this happens or this happens, you know, um, do this or that, you know, to protect yourself if you have to do this or, you know, don't put yourself in a situation where something can go wrong or, you know, just, just what to do when and why and where and how, you know, certain things in the match, you know, psychology stuff wise. Um, he used to show me, you know, him and Chris Danger were an amazing manager wrestler combination. You know, he used yeah. to show me how he would give hand signals to Chris when they would pass the chain back and forth or, you know, cross his fingers on his leg, you know, to know when his time to come up and stuff. And just their chemistry was absolutely phenomenal. Whether they used the dog chain, they used like a the metal wire hanger. Yeah. You know, pass it back and forth and choke him with it and then pass it back out or whether it was tape or a rope or something. It, it, those two guys were just phenomenal together. Really, really good together. Yeah. So tell me something that you learned from working Shane Morton. Oh my God! How to be a babyface? Yeah, 
that okay. guy, and I think it's it's it, well, it's in the Morton blood. Yeah, if you're a Morton, you will oh, be yeah. a great wrestler. Yeah, you know, from Ricky to his son Cody, Jerry Lynn. I mean, everybody. They are just they are so good, and they are the nicest people in the world. I love Shane Death and his whole family. They are such good people. Amen. They really he's are. Done so much for me with all the different places that he's ran and booked. Because <laughs> when I was working the Grand Slam building too, that's that's a pretty famous building down there too. I remember doing the separate locker rooms there. And uh, he was booking and doing all this stuff. And uh, he put me over uh, one of my other really, really good buddies, Buzzed Up. Yeah. Yeah, Jason. And yeah. him. And I'm very close to him. He's a great guy. Um, he oh, put me he over is. for their heavyweight title on the Thursday. And then he had me drop it back to him in Woodbury, Tennessee on Saturday. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, you are you sure you want to do that? He's like, yeah, man, you deserve it. I'm like. Are you sure you want to do? You know, I'm, I'm, I've always been super humble like that too, and I am especially if you're coming in from somebody like that. You know, he, he has always treated me like absolute gold. Yeah, and I think the world of Shane. I would do anything for the man, and I know I always have an open invitation to come down there. Yeah, looking for UConn now. So yeah, yeah, he's doing. I he's. I love that he's still doing something and offering his you know wisdom because they honestly wrestling needs people like Shane more than ever, oh, man. Absolutely. Know? So I, I, I kind of took over his Forsaken's role too because it's there's I don't think there's any more famous feud or one of them is you know the Mortons and the Devils. Oh man, no! I mean, and I wish I would have been around you know down there at that time to see that feud or the Devils and the Wild Boys too. I mean, oh man, I would have yeah. loved to see that in person. Yeah, but it's yeah. like I've always kind of taken since once Rick retired. I'm going to be the next guy in line to eliminate that Morton name from wrestling. <laughs> but years, last year, you know, I did the promo with the tombstone. I found a, a one in the cemetery with the name Morton on it. And I did a promo and I had all, I posted and all the fans were freaking, Oh my God, he's going to kill Shane. And <laughs> I went down there. Uh, it was after the reunion at UConn's show. And yeah. he, he, after three years of retirement, he came out of retirement to work me in a match. That's and awesome. that, that is like such a special honor for me because we've had a lot of tag matches together. But mm-hmm. that was one and only singles match that we've ever had. Gotcha. Okay. So that, that was that was a very special thing for me, and that that's one of my uh, very highly uh, personal in my heart things that uh, Shane did that for me to come out of retirement after that long time to do that for me. So yeah, Shane. The one thing that I've learned, and, and Rick too, in a way, but I, Shane was a mentor to me. He really, you know, my mentor lived in Virginia, so once I got out of his reach essentially and, and only phone calls you know he taught me this as well but shane drilled it in my brain does it or make it make sense you know what i'm saying right. it was the the most important thing was does it make sense and yep. you know and he also kind of helped me you know as an early and again man i'm sorry i'm going off on my stuff here but you know <laughs> as, a, as a manager the one thing that annoys me the most is seeing a manager just running all over the place and yes he, shane drilled into me stay in one spot don't you know and and i learned how to filter the heat to my guy with shane too you know where at the very first match i managed a guy against shane and you know there were small things that i learned there but at the same time you know shane taught me a lot of things like especially the does it make sense and if it doesn't make sense just don't do it because there's no you know you don't have to make up stuff just to keep you know just to be doing something standing there yelling is okay but don't do stupid stuff like running around constantly and <laughs> just like the brand new guys that are having you know, their first matches if you don't know how to do it don't do it right absolutely it, when people ask me you know who trained you jimmy blaze is always my number one because he's the guy that broke me in yeah. and it's 
Rick Reynolds and Shane Morton. I credit as my, those are my three trainers. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So Jared, go ahead with your question. All right. So I see in 2006 that you got to work a legend in a six man tag, King Kong Bundy. Oh, yeah. about that. That was the very first name that I got to work in a match. Um, that was up in UWE in, uh, I think that was in Farwell, Michigan. It was at a high school. Okay. And um, I remember walking in there and it was supposed to be, I was wrestling some other guy. I don't remember who it was supposed to be, but it was a six man tag that Bundy was going to be involved in. And one of the guys didn't show up. So I think I just did a battle royal that night and Eric Freedom put me in that spot. Mm. Oh, the guy that didn't show up. I'm like, oh, my God, thank you so much. This is going to be awesome. <laughs> when, when he came in, that man has the largest back I have ever seen in my life. Yeah. The widest back. He was humongous. Yeah. And I don't know if anybody's ever really told stories or heard anything about him, but he is one of the nicest people that I have ever met as far as, you know, a big name guy. He yeah. was so and he has yeah. such a sense of humor on him. And I know he did a lot of stand up stuff, actually. Yeah. In, in the yeah. couple of years before he passed away. Yeah. So he, he was a really, really funny guy. That's what I've heard is that he, I mean, the interviews that I've seen him, he is just so real and hilarious. It's just yep. like, you know, he's, he almost, I'm sure he has some sort of ego, but it seems like he, he just is so humble too, you know, just, yeah, he, he was an amazing guy too. And I always made it a point and I still do to this day when I meet somebody, you know, that came from the era that I like the very first thing I have to, I have to go talk to them and tell them, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for everything you've done in this business. Thank you for influencing me and me watching you. And thank you for influencing me on my career. You know, yeah. if there's anything that I've seen you guys do, you know, that I've picked up on and, you know, added it to what I do, but, you know, put my tweak on it, you know, thank you for everything you do because they don't hear that enough and no. they deserve it more than anything. Yeah. And I think it really means a lot to them when I say it because I can kind of tell they're, you know, they change a little bit when I say that. And they don't, I've had a, um, when I met, Ted DiBiase the second time he was in a card shop around my house here and he almost got emotional when I told him that too because like I said I don't think a lot of people tell those guys that and they really they're like do you remember when you worked this guy oh, yeah. that? you know right. so it's yeah. like they're like member berries you know they're yeah. not really yeah. they you know. definitely deserve it because they put the time in and they're on you know in front of the world and they're doing their thing and they did a great job at what they were doing. And I remember coming up to him and he, I told him that, and he was very, very humble. You know, he's like, uh, thank you very much. You know, that, that means a lot to me. And, you know, I appreciate that you, uh, you know, remember me from that far back. And, you know, I said, no, man, thank you for everything. And so he took a liking to me right away, you know, from that. And then uh, the two partners that I had were not any good. They were <laughs> cocky. Actually, uh -huh. that, that was the name of the team. The Cocky Little Brats was their gotcha. name. Gotcha. Gotcha. They're probably five foot mm. four, 150 pounds soaking wet. And the one little guy just had a mouth on him and Bundy was not happy. <laughs> he, he was pissing him off. But almost like he might have even been telling him what he was going to do in the match. Oh, man. See his face like, oh, boy, mm. I'm glad I'm in good with him. I'm going to be OK, you know, <laughs> even though I'm going to get across the ring. Yeah. So it was me and my two partners against Jimmy Blaze, Eric Freedom and King Kong Bundy. Wow. So when wow. we got ring, I remember uh, Jimmy told me after the match, uh, Bundy leaned over in the corner. He's like, man, these other guys, you know, they don't have gear. They look, they're the shits and this stuff. And he's like, who's this kid with the, the only guy that's got gear over there? And Jimmy's like, oh, it's one of my students. He's like, oh, he got, he has gear. He looks pretty good. He's not too bad. I'm like, oh, I'll take that as a compliment. Any day. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's pretty cool. You yeah. know? Yeah. Seriously. The finish of the match was we get into the big, uh, 
uh, three-way uh, train wreck at the end. Yeah. So one of my partners gets thrown in the corner, then the other one does, then I'm the last guy to get thrown in the corner, so we're triple stacked in the corner. <laughs> and I'm the lead guy in the front, and Jimmy and Eric go take Bundy by the hands and whip him off into an avalanche to all three of us at the same time. So here I see him running at me, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to die. And, he come, <laughs> and I'm the front guy, you know. And he comes and hits me, and it was like a sp- he getting hit with a sponge. It was wow. light. It wow. was really, really light. Yeah. I'm like, wow, that wasn't bad at all. You know, then I bumped out. The other guy bumped out, and then this other guy did this stupid, goofy kind of stumble walk forward, and then he, like, bumps to his back, almost like a reverse Ric Flair flop. Yeah, mm, kind of okay. Thing. Okay. So I knew Bundy was still waiting for his chance to get this kid. Yeah. So as I'm laying on the apron, I got one eye looking to see what's going to happen, and he hit the ropes, and he dropped this elbow, and oh, my God. He, his head disappeared underneath Bundy's armpit. <laughs> he decapitated this kid. Little Beaver, right? Him. What was it? Absolutely yeah. crushed. Oh, Little Beaver? Yeah, he did yeah. it. Little Beaver, little yeah. Beaver. yeah. But yeah I mean, you couldn't even see this kid's head because that's how how deep he elbowed dropped this guy. I mean, that's he funny. crushed him. Man. So that was his little receipt for being a, a big mouth. But yeah, he, he was nothing but nice. I can't say anything bad about Bundy. He was amazing. I'm glad, you t- I'm glad you told us it felt like a sponge because my question was coming. How did that feel? Because I can't like as it's hard for people to imagine that that wouldn't just hurts to some degree. But oh, yeah. Yeah. Like right before I, he came in, I kind of turned my head a little bit and closed my eyes. I'm like, Ugh! and then I'm like, oh, that wasn't bad at all. <laughs> <laughs> Guy running like that at you, 400 pounds running at you. No. Yeah, bad yeah. Tensing up like a car accident's about to oh, happen. Oh, yeah. So, yep. Yeah. It was nice and light. Yeah. So, you know, after this match, you you end up doing some great feuds and you actually had some various feuds in, in classic championship. But one of the feuds obviously was with your your main trainer there, Jimmy Blaze. Talk about your feud with him during that time. Well, that's been on and off probably even to this day. Yeah. There's always been a feud, you know, comes and goes with him. It's been so much fun because he likes to do the street fight stuff and likes to bleed. So it was almost like a natural chemistry between us to do a lot of street fights and hardcore stuff. You know, not deathmatch stuff because we're not into that level. But right. Like you can wrestle. That, when it yeah. gets to that level, it's not wrestling anymore. Because mm-hmm. still when you do hardcore and street fights, it's still a match. You still have to have psychology. Right. You know, there's a certain way it's got to be done. Of course. Yeah, we've, we've always had natural chemistry when it comes to those type of matches. And yeah, it we've probably had, I don't know every year every two years we get back together and do something again too and yeah it's always fun to work with him he's cool. he's in he's 33 years in now in 1990 wow he's, he's i think he's he, he might be done at the end of the year as far gotcha. as act. gotcha yeah that's that's you know sometimes the the whole part of it is figuring out when to tap right that's the that's the other part of it but that i don't ever want to do that <laughs> <laughs> I love i'm going it. on i just like morton baby year. Yeah, past 19. So I'm into my 20th year now. And I mean, my hips and my knees are starting to get sore and stuff now. That's for the first time. And um, my neck has always been bad. Oh, there's a good story for you, too. The neck. Let's hear it. Yeah, that was in Tennessee. Also, (laughs) all my good stuff happens in Tennessee. That's why I love it so much. (laughs) So this was another Thanksgiving trip. This was in November of 2006 in Woodbury. Mm -hmm. And. It was myself and Forsaken against Dave Storm and a guy named Thunderfoot. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he's the guy now that wrestles as Yabo the Clown for uh, NWA. Love that gimmick, by the way. So cool. The Ruffo 
is Rough Crossing. Right. So they're brothers, so, right? Yes. And that's yeah. uh, Rough Crossing has been my tag team partner forever. There's no we'll, tattoos. Yeah, that's, yeah, we'll get there. I promise. This is coming. Yep. So that's what I definitely want to talk about. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. Uh, so we do the whole match. Um, the finish is on me, or to set up the actual finish is on me, but they're going to hit me with their finishing move, which is like a, a double suplex, but they like pick me up and hold me up for like a vertical suplex. Mm-hmm. But they're supposed to drop me in between the two of them, like uh, chest belly first, mm-hmm. almost like Arn Anderson, like a gourd buster, you know, where he yeah. drops them on his front. Yeah. But they, yeah. they bump to their backs and they drop me in between them. Mm. It's kind of a weird, weird move like that. Mm. It's just like a flat flapjack bump for me. Sure. So when they picked me up, uh, Dave had his arm around my head so tight that my chin was touching my chest and I couldn't move. Gotcha. So they picked me up and I probably went maybe, I didn't go 90 degrees straight up. I maybe went 60 degrees Mm. with my legs. Yeah. And then he didn't tell Thunderfoot when, okay, let's go. He just kicked his legs out. So I'm starting to go down at an angle, you know, towards his side. And then Thunderfoot tries to kick his legs out to try to even it out, you know, because he knows something screwed up. Yeah. So I landed straight down on the top of my head from the mm. suplex height mm. with my chin touched to my chest mm. and landed directly on my head like that. Ouch. So my neck cracked. I got the big stinger down my back. You know, that went all the way into like my butt that far down there. And I just kind of flopped over because I have the video. I can send that to you too sometime. I yeah. flopped over and I, my leg, everything was just like limp. I remember like kind of opened my eyes and I'm like, holy crap, you know, that, oh my God, you know. And I started, you know, moving everything. I moved my arms, my legs, my fingers, toes. I mean, I moved everything I could. I'm like, okay, I'm not paralyzed. I'm okay. You know, so I didn't like freak out or nothing. Because, you know, it's just, you're going to get hurt in wrestling. It's not if, it's when. Right. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen sometime. It's just part of the business. So I've never been scared to get hurt. Yeah. But yeah. that right there, Dave was going to cover me, which he did. And uh, Forsaken came by, picked him up, choke slammed him. He he uh, reached for me, pulled me on Dave, and then the ref turned around, one, two, three, and that was it. I rolled outside, and he, he grabbed me. He's like, you're right. I said, no, dude, I'm dying here. I said, I can move everything, so I'm fine, but it's, it's just killing me right now. So he helped me to the back, and um, the Dave guy never really asked anything, never said anything about the match, never asked if I was okay. So he, I don't really put him in my trainer category because he's done a lot of shady stuff. So he's kind of removed you know, from my training list. Gotcha. He's got a past that he kind of comes and goes and does not good things. And you know, it just seemed like he didn't even care what happened. Even if he didn't know what happened, he didn't really, you know, acknowledge it. Didn't say yeah. anything at all. But Thunderfoot yeah. was freaking out. He was more scared than I was. He was gotcha. like, oh, my God, he was, oh, my God, you okay, you okay? And, you know, he got me a bag of ice and put a bag of ice on it. And I've never gotten it checked out. Oh, <laughs> one day you'll have to, I would assume. So, yeah, that's... it's like not that I'm scared to know what happened, but I, would, I just have that same thing. Okay, tape it up and keep going. Yeah, maybe some compression going on there or something. Yeah, when I was driving, we were driving home that night, it felt like from like the base of my my head and then down to where my neck meets my shoulders and then into my right shoulder felt like it was on fire. So I don't know if there was some, you know, nerve damage, nerve pinching or anything like that in there. But uh, even after that match, there were two or three matches later, I went out there again and did a run in a match later that night. Gotcha, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, get it checked out soon, man. Definitely sometime. <laughs> yeah, I, I've yeah. never, never, ever taken time off. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, if you notice anything going numb. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm going to keep going as long as if I can walk to the ring, I'll still do it. But the day I can't walk to the ring, then I'll be done. Ah, so you really are like the Terry Funk. So I get it. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about uh, working Jamie Dundee. <laughs> Everybody's got Jamie Dundee voice, right? But I, I can't yeah. do it that well, so I'm not going to oh, Come on, man. You can do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was another connection through uh, Forsaken, too. He came up to one of our CCW shows, and uh, we used to do something called the Fans Pick the Matches, where it was a shoot where we had two different uh, buckets, heels on one side, babies in the other. And the, uh, the ring announcer would call a person's name to come up and pick a name out of the 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 jar or whatever yeah. so it was actually a shoot thing and, you know we just had certain finishes if certain people did this or you work this person yeah. the very first name they got picked was mine when we did it for the first time and i'm like oh my god i hope i call jamie I hope i call jamie because he would start that was one of his first shows up there and sure enough the guy picked jamie dundee so i got a single <laughs> match with him and it was amazing yeah it was so nice to be in there with somebody you know from the good old days you know that can just and it was a whole walk and talk thing too right you know, so i was super comfortable he was comfortable and you know, he had no problem putting me over, which I really appreciate. Again, yeah. that matters to me. It's who cares about who goes over, you know, as long as it makes sense. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we got to be really, really good friends. And then uh, he started booking in another CCW Coliseum Championship Wrestling in Evansville, Indiana at the Coliseum. And that became one of my absolute favorite places to work because that's the famous Wednesday night in the Memphis circuit. Built yeah, Memphis on Mondays, Louisville Gardens on Tuesdays, and then Evansville on Wednesdays. Yeah, yeah. He used to do uh, legend shows where he would bring in all the the old old names, and I think we missed the first one, and he had us come down from the second one. We did every one after that. The first Wednesday of the month, he would have the legend shows. Just absolutely amazing to to be in the locker room with all those guys. I've got oh. so many good stories and memories from hanging out with you know Jamie and Dutch. And the Rock and Roll Express and Bobby Eaton and Tracy Smothers and Bushwhacker Luke. I mean, there were so many guys. And they yeah. had us come and sit and change with them instead of changing with the young guys. Because they didn't really talk to the younger guys. Gotcha. But I don't know if we got the rub from Jamie or, you know, just how we acted and, you know, carried ourselves. But they always had us come with them. And they treated us like one of their own. And to me, that is such a huge honor. That's you know, it, Yeah. Yeah, you just named like a Memphis or Tennessee Mount yep. Rushmore right there, man. So, you know, the funny thing is, is with Jamie, man, you know, a lot of people, I know a lot of people understand this, but sometimes they don't realize that this kid was born in the business, man. You know, yep. he literally, from four years old on, he basically was involved in some way from either selling pictures to fat girls, as he says, <laughs> you know, yes. selling kisses, selling kisses to fat girls, or if he yep. got his ear pierced by Tommy Rich. I mean, I've interviewed yep. Jamie a couple times, obviously because I'm on the Wolfie D podcast, but you know, Jamie is just, he's an original man. There's oh, nobody man. like him. You know, he, he's, you know, he's had his vices, you know, demons like anybody else has. Of and course. he's been straight yeah. for a while now, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. you know, his wife is a great person. You know, we Absolutely. both three girls that are named Angela. And I think that's a good thing because they're both great for us. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, every time we go there, we'd stay at his house and have, uh, you know, crazy times there and stuff. And <laughs> you know, there was, there's, here's a good one. Everybody's got Jamie's story. So, I think the first or second show we ever did there, uh, we drove to, uh, Ruff and I came down there. And, no, this was the second show we went there. We went to his house, and Brian Christopher and Bill Dundee pulled up at the same time also. Yeah. So, And we knew them from the show before. And um, going to his house first, I think I go in, Ruff's behind me, and then the other two guys are behind him. 
and go in his front door and then you go like where the kitchen's at you turn left and it's go down the hallway where the bathrooms and the bedroom are and uh he goes that's you scott spade i'm like yeah it's me and he comes running out of the bathroom butt naked <laughs> mm. runs and jumps in my arms with his legs wrapped around me and i'm oh holding him there you know, as he's like mm. giving me this like bear hug up you know with his legs wrapped around me totally naked and i kind of turn my head right behind me is brian christopher and bill dundee staring <laughs> at me holding jamie naked in the hands <laughs> like, and i dropped him right away i'm like I swear we don't do this every time we see each other. I've got nothing to do with this. This is all his idea. And they just kind of like look at each other like, yeah, yeah, we know. <laughs> so it was like, oh, shit. It was kind of an awkward moment. But, yeah, he's, <laughs> he just does anything for a laugh. And he's, he is one of those guys, too, that doesn't get enough credit for being the guy that will give you the shirt off of his back. Yeah. If you yeah. ask for it. It's true. He it's has true. a heart of gold. And he's, he's a really, really good person. He, I actually stood up in his wedding. Wow. Okay. That's me, awesome. It was me buzzed up and Bill Dundee for the guy standing up in his wedding. Very cool. Yeah, nice. yeah. Very yeah. cool. Got to meet yeah. his mom. She was a really, really sweet lady. Yeah. Uh, so she peace. passed away Beverly. Yeah. yeah she yeah. was really, really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Jamie, it, it, there's just no, it, there's never going to be another one like him. He's, he's no. just, a, you know, he's just an original man. You know, <laughs> it's funny. He's, he's, I've been trying to talk to, I mean, you know, randomly after we have him on the podcast or something, he'll be like, you know, what are you doing with these podcasts, man? How you do these podcasts? And I'm like, well, and he's like, I got this guy in Texas. He's wanting to do a podcast. He's Jesus Allen Coe. He's going to do one with me. And I'm like, well, do it, brother. I'll 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 advise you as much as I, as you need. And he, he was, I'm also trying to beg him to do some sort of comedy show, but I can't remember stuff, man. I, you know, and I'm like, you don't have to, Jamie. Just pick somebody and talk about them, you know? <laughs> and, oh, yeah. He's yeah. so good at just coming up with, he's very quick-witted. So he yeah he doesn't have to come up with an act he could just go out there and just do it riff man and he's the king of the name game you know we have the name game oh, with you yeah. coming up here in a minute but he he truly is you could do a whole episode just on name game you know with oh, him yeah. so, just being born yeah. into the business like that he's seen so many guys yeah exactly right. yeah join me Gene Jackson for the Jackson Interaction Podcast where I'll be doing one on one interviews with people from the world of professional wrestling as well as stand up comedy. You can get them anywhere podcasts are available in both video and audio form, but you can find them all at GeneJacksonPod.com. If you're a fan of rock music, I'd really appreciate it if you took a moment to check out my podcast. It's called the Decibel Geek Podcast. We've been doing it for about 10 years now. We talk about Kiss. We talk about Ozzy. We talk about Motley Crue and Guns N' Roses and Metallica. We talk about all the legends from the 60s and on up to brand new bands that you should be hearing about today that you're not going to hear on the radio. It's Decibel Geek. Wherever you find your podcasts, you'll find us there. If you love rock and roll, I can almost guarantee you're going to love my show. So, you know, this leads into, you know, I think the first time I'd ever heard of you, as I've never met you, obviously, but heard of you on the scene was because of the noise, booze, and tattoos with Rough Crossing Tag Team. Talk about that coming together and you guys working together. Yeah, we were always um, heel, babyface opposites. He was always like a cowboy gimmick because he was kind of Dave's partner. And right. He did a cowboy thing. And then. I never really did the biker look that I do more now. It was just, um, I would just wear, you know, my favorite, like a motorhead t-shirt out there, but I never had any other gear besides that. Yeah. Uh, and then when we finally, um, 
got together and started traveling because we were still baby face and heel up in Chicago. We started going everywhere else, you know, as a tag team. And he came up with that name, you know, the noise for, you know, really loud, heavy music that we like to listen to. Um, booze, just kind of the way we look, kind of like bar brawler kind of guys. And the funny yeah. thing is that he he drinks, but I don't. I've never, <laughs> had, I've never had a drink in my life. I've never a had a totaler, no, huh? nothing at all. Never. Wow. That's impressive. I, I respect tattoos, that, of course, we got a lot of tattoos and I've. You know, I've got way more than he does, but it's like it, the name just kind of rolls off your tongue really nice. It does, yeah. So yeah, yeah we, we and then we kind of kind of halfway did our gimmicks, you know, to make ourselves more look like each other. He kind of toned down the cowboy stuff to look more like me, and then I got a pair of chaps to look like him. So we come out with leather vests and leather chaps, and he would have his big uh, bull rope with a cowbell still, and then I had the big giant chain with me. So yeah, we we are an amazing team together. I think I'm more proud of the tag team work that we've done that I have done anything singles. Yeah. Yeah. That's just how much I value us working together because it's like um, a heart foundation or a, you know, a British bulldogs kind of a thing where you don't even have to talk to each other when you're out there, you can read each other's minds. Yeah. And there's not a people that can experience that unless you really have that partner. That's just so in tune with your own brain. You know, you just give them the look and this is, you know, we just know what we're going to do. We know what the way we think. We know, you know, what we're going to do next. And we don't even talk when we're out there. Yeah, we did. That's and we're a very, very good team. That's that's like a mind meld kind of thing. Now, from my records that I've seen in my research here, you guys got to work an absolute legendary tag team. And I do believe it was in Evansville, if I'm not mistaken. You got to work the Rock and Roll Express. I've got to manage against Ricky, and I'm actually forced myself because I was like, he's on the same show as me. It may not ever happen again, even though it did. Right. I'm making this happen. And <laughs> I was like, look, I'm the biggest mark in this building. I don't care what you call me. I'm managing against Ricky Morton. But anyway. <laughs> When it comes down to it, how was it working those guys, man? That was that was a for sure highlight of my entire career. I mean, to me, you know, a lot of people say the Road Warriors are the greatest tag team of all time. That might be true, but yeah. they, they were kind of, I don't want to say, they only had a small window of, like, actually things they did. You know, they were more offense than mm-hmm. defense kind of a thing. I think right. the Rock and Rolls, I think, in my opinion, is probably the greatest team of all time because they were the total package. Boom. They're the, Boom. the greatest yeah. Baby faces for sure. Yeah. But I mean, they're the total package of the team, and I don't think there's any better matches between them and the Midnights. That, oh, that is oh, the best of ever. combination ever. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You can learn so much by just watching one of their matches. It's, it's a masterpiece. Yeah. So yeah. We, Jamie did a tournament for uh, the tag team belts, and they were the tag team champions at the Coliseum at the time. And I think this was actually our second show there. So he actually told us we're going to have you go all the way through and you get to work Ricky and Robert. I'm like, oh, my God. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, this is going to be so much fun. And so we wrestled, um, I think, Shane Morton. And he had a partner at the time called Devin Domain. Devin Domain, yeah. 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 He's a good dude, too. They were the Lincoln County Regulators. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta love that. <laughs> yeah, that was the first match, and we beat them. And then the next match, I believe, was against. Uh, see if my memory is failing here. Um, I think it was Buzzed Up and Jay Grunge, maybe. Okay. Okay. Father Jay, he was called at the time. Gotcha. And then okay. We went over on them, and then our next, the final match, that was the finals. And then uh, we got to face the rock and roll in the main event. At the historic house, I mean, everything was like holy shit moment. <laughs> like, wrestling in the main event, 
in a super historic building against the greatest tag team of all time. Man. And it was so late at night, though, that was the only bad thing. It was getting close to like 11 o'clock at night. They, <laughs> they had to drive back home. Mm. So Ricky, I think, was going with Bill back to Tennessee. And I think Robert was had to go all the way back to Pensacola or something like that. So wow. yeah. they like, oh, we got to make it quick. You know, it's only going to be, you know, a couple minutes. And I'm like, oh, shit, you know, I'm losing my chance to, you know, get a really, you know, a true match to, you know, to go against these guys, you know, mm-hmm. to really have fun. But it's like I really didn't care because just to be in the ring with them, you know, for any amount of time, you know, means the world to me, mm-hmm. you know, so it didn't matter. And they're the coolest guys in the world. Absolutely. So I remember yeah. before out there, you know, just come in the ring, you know, bail when we get in. As soon as we get introduced, come in, jump us, you know, do the train wreck. And then one guy bump out and we'll double drop kick in and we'll go home. Yeah. Like, okay. And he's like, which one are you taking the double drop kick? And before he could even finish that sentence, I raised my hand up. Me, me, me. I'm taking it. I'll take it. Okay. <laughs> Roughly bump out, you know, we'll do it on Scott. I'm like, yes. You know, so sure enough, I get to say I did all that and I took the double drop kick. For the yeah. Time. I love that. They're my favorite tag team of all time, for sure. And I, you know, I I know the Road Warriors are considered the greatest, but to me, like you said, I think the rock and roll just were so, so crisp, so good. Man, if you haven't seen it, you've brought up the Bulldogs. I don't know if you've seen this or not, but you need to go online. It's the main event comedy YouTube channel. They have a match on there. It's uh, rock and roll versus the Bulldogs, which is like one of the It's a great match, man. So when did that? I've never heard of that one. Yeah, yeah. Kansas, Kansas City, or I think so. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's yeah. weird because it just seems like they would never meet anywhere at the same time. Exactly. I know, yeah, I know. I know they were both in flux. I think they didn't work for the other promotion. You know, that one wasn't working WWF, and the other wasn't working for Crockett at that time. And oh, so, so it must have been after 1990. No, it was it was it was still young. I mean, maybe late eighties. I can't remember exactly, but anyway, go on YouTube. It's on there. It's great, man. Yeah, I'll that. check it out for sure. Yeah, we love that match. So, you know, was there one thing you picked up from getting to work those guys? Yeah, I mean, just um, just this. I mean, less is more. I mean, I've always been in tune from that from day one to that Forsaken as a guy, you know, and also Shane. Oh, yeah. You know, less is yeah. more and. There's a lot of companies, too, that I work for that, you know, the kids like to go, you know, 15, 20 minutes. It's like I could do that back, you know, when I was their age. But, you know, I don't think I could do that now. I mean, I'm sure I could. But, you know, I work so slow Mm -hmm. in a slow pace, you know, like all the guys did that I grew up watching. And that's what it's all about. You got to really got to pace yourself. And I could do what they try to do in 20 minutes. I could do it in three minutes and get a bigger response. You know, it's not having a long match. It's. I can get it done in a short amount of time and I can get that reaction. I don't need a long match to do it. Yeah. You know, very cool. If you could do it in a short match and get your point across in five minutes, <laughs> I'm fine with that. Yeah. You know, yeah. Tell a story. I don't you time know. to do it. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You don't yeah, know. Robert was showing me some shoot holds uh, that night before we went out there. Indian like Deathlock? Did he show you the Indian Deathlock? <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, he showed me uh, you like know, a sugar. Put your form. Oh, I knew that one from Shane. Shane taught yeah. me that one. Okay, gotcha. I've seen him put down a handful of people with that thing. That, that's an amazing that. hold. I love that move, yeah. Yeah, Robert was showing me when you lock up, you know, putting the forearm across the guy's face and doing this here and doing this here with leverage things and stuff like that. And Yeah, that, that was really, really cool. And they they would they sat me down over there, too, and uh, them two and Dutch, and I don't remember who else was there. I think it was just those three. 
like, come here, kid, grab a chair. And man, I couldn't grab a chair fast enough. So they were just <laughs> a bunch of stories of all just their experiences weekly at the Coliseum. I'm like, oh my God, that is my favorite thing in the world just to sit there and hear stories. Now, okay, tell me, I, I know you're going to say this because, but the one thing that Ricky said to you before you all went out there, what was it? What he said to me, um, don't, was it don't, don't hurt me? <laughs> no, I don't remember him saying that. Really? I don't remember him saying anything besides just, you know, double chop kicks to finish and, you know, we'll see you okay. out there, guys. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that's cool. I've just heard him say that. Now, maybe that's because you came with a little bit of a history that he had kind of gotten to know. Maybe he trusted you a little more, but I've heard him say, now, don't hurt me. <laughs> just don't I, hurt I have me. heard that before. Yeah. But yeah, he's seen us before that. And again, I think the, I'm sure Jamie mentioned something to him too. You know, that yeah. I'm sure they yeah. wouldn't have put, he wouldn't have put us with them, you know, if they did feel comfortable for it or, you know, we wouldn't be able to take care of them. So, right. Right. That's cool. I was, I'm just going to interject and um, say that the, uh, the Rock and Roll Express versus the British Bulldogs was part of the AWA All Star Wrestling, March fifth, nineteen eighty nine. So, very really? I knew Rock and Roll did a couple AWAs, but I never knew Bulldogs did. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, they kind of clashed with the Midnight Rockers for just a second. And that was kind of like a dream thing, too. Wow. So, yeah. yeah. All right. And my next question: <laughs> Tell us about working. Uh, is it two thousand eleven Gypsy Joe's retirement show? Ooh, um, I remember two thousand eleven. I remember right. being at shows with him in the early days, uh, you know, oh four, oh five, uh okay. Grand Slam, you know, he was up there, but I don't I don't know. I can't remember doing a retirement show. Yeah, it showed that you you worked with Shane. Uh, you know, you tagged with Shane on the Gypsy Joe retirement show. Maybe I remember that match. Yeah, I don't remember being labeled that. Okay. So, yeah. That that's the that's a really, really weird tag team match. Because <laughs> it was like half of a baby and half of a heel on each right. team. Right. Instead of me and Forsaken against Rough Crossing and Shane, it was the other way around. It felt so awkward too coming in the heel. I'm sorry, coming in the babyface front door. Yeah. In Tullahoma, it's like this is not right. I'm, I'm not supposed to be here. <laughs> yeah. It was really really weird. So what was, was the What was the story with that? Why did Shane. I don't know why they, they switched it? Okay. Okay. Just I maybe really don't know. Gotcha. But it was just weird, you know, doing what I've done before that there, and then all of a sudden one week I'm coming out with Shane. The biggest baby face in the world down there, and it's like, I, I'll just follow what he does, I guess. <laughs> it just felt really awkward, you know, to be a baby, yeah. especially there. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that, I'm glad you said that though, because that's something I could probably put in my notes too. I didn't know it was a Gypsy Retirement Show. Yeah, that's the official title of it, and it was in Tullahoma, and it was for SWF. So yeah, yeah that's 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 a real cool building too. Um, yeah, you know. Yeah, I got, I got one story about that one if Please. you want. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Ruff and I went down there because after like the Grand Slam was done and after Freddie Martin's auction house was done, that was like the next main promotion that we did shows at. And then I've been a bunch of shows with Gypsy before, too. And he he was a great, great guy. And I always remember his famous quote, hit me harder, hit me harder. Yeah. 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 So he was he was he treated me really, really well. And I really appreciate that, too. And and he trained Rick. So, again, I'm sure there was some, you know, this guy's okay, So, you know, treat him well. Right. So, yeah, he right. was a great guy. I got nothing good. I got nothing but good things to say about Gypsy. He was definitely one of the toughest guys I have ever seen in my life with all the oh, stories and everything like that. And I, the very first time I ever met him was at the Grand Slam. And I came up to shook his hand, and he was sitting right next to Rick. And he just stands up really quick and almost gets in my face. He's like, So, you know everything about me, kid? 
tell me. What do you know about me? Tell me. (laughs) And I kind of take a couple steps back and I put my hand down, you know, from trying to shake his hand. I'm like, oh, my God, is this guy going to kill me? Yeah. Rick's just sitting there with a big, giant smile on his face. And I'm like, he's like, so, kid, come on, tell me. You know everything about me. Tell me. And then he's just like, no, no, I'm just messing with you. I'm like, whew. You know, I thought I was going to get killed by the legend himself. He just put his arm around me. He's like, ah, I'm just messing with you. I'm like, oh, thank God. Rick is just sitting there in his chair laughing his ass off. And I go up to him like, you jerk. You set me up for that one, didn't you? And he's like, yep, I did. (laughs) This toughest, the world's toughest wrestler is in my face. Telling me. I knew his reputation. I've seen his stuff in Japan before that. And I've heard so many stories about him. And and that just like really caught me off guard. I was scared there for a minute. Yeah. So he just smiled and laughed about it. And so that's a pretty cool memory I have of him. That is very cool. Yeah. (laughs) Tell the whole it was me and Shane. Oh, I'm sorry. Crossing oh. against Doug Harrison. Remember him? The guy yeah. with the snake? Yeah. Super, super nice guy. I love him too. And Shane Morton, they were the tag team champions then. And I think it was probably August or July, and it was a hundred degrees out there. Man, was it hot. Mm-hmm. It gets hot in Tennessee Amen. in the arena. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. And we probably went 40 minutes. We didn't say a word to each other before. We didn't say hardly anything at all in the ring to each other. It was an amazing, amazing match. And I remember in the open, I remember um, Doug Harrison locked up with me. We did something, and I ran, you know, he, oh, he put me to go behind, and I ran over to Rick and, you know, hugged him, kind of like, a, you know, a effeminate kind of thing, and everybody was always giving us shit and stuff. And then we locked up again, and he pushed me back into Shane's corner, and he did a clean break, and Shane took the tag rope, stuck it in my ear, and screamed, Snake. <laughs> and I screamed at the top of my lungs and ran over and jumped in Rick's arms and stuff. So it's like, it was a really, really funny, you know, ad-libbed moment. You yeah. know, you just thought of that. I just played with it the whole time and it got a good pop from the crowd. And that was a really <laughs> fun match. And that's the thing I love about just going out there and just doing it and just playing off of who you're working, playing mm-hmm. off the crowd, and you don't talk about nothing. Right. That's so good. Yeah. Shane is just the king of that too, man. He is just ad lib and he is so, that's one thing that I love about Shane is he's all about the, the small little stuff that just kind of, you know, it, it, it entertains the guys in the ring at the same time as it does the crowd, you know? And so, oh yeah. And I think on the hot tag, one of the things too, uh, Ruff got a hot tag in a different match we were in. And I know Shane's famous line too. He, um, he blasted, Ruff blasted Shane with a forearm. He's like, oh damn, do I owe you money? <laughs> I'm sure you've heard him say that before. Oh yes, I have. Yeah. yeah, I could almost hear him when I was in the corner on the other side that he yelled that out, and I was just laughing. <laughs> oh man! Well, there's so much. St- I mean, we're gonna so this kind of rapid things up. We're gonna lead into our our famous name game here, but you know, there's so much stuff we can talk further about. We can get you back on, but leading uh-huh. out of uh, the Tennessee stuff, but I just would kind of like to know, you know, especially since you've really had your home base there in the Chicago area, there, you know, what is the what would you say is the current state of maybe from from your Tennessee time leading up to now what what would you say is the current state of Chicago wrestling as it is there's so many promotions right now I think that's a negative yeah it's like like, Memphis man Memphis is like that yeah there's so many going on and there's so many of the same guys that work for so many of the same companies right so it's like you can go to any company and see the same guy. So it's like, why would you go to this certain company when you can just see him somewhere else? Right. Right. And I understand the point of getting yourself out there and working different places, but go further away. Go travel. 
you know, in different places. Yeah. Yeah. And just like the same thing, like how I train guys, um, they actually made me a trainer only after I was in a year. Wow. Gave me a trainer. So I've been training guys for 18 years. Did you have a sports background, man? Did you take to it so easy because of that, or are you just a uh, natural? I actually, I didn't do amateur wrestling. I just did it as part of gym class, but I always played baseball. Um, I was big into bowling. I mean, even though it's not a physical sport, but baseball is really the only thing I really did. Yeah, I mean, but the, in the Chicago big- area, that in the Illinois, you know, in the Midwest, because you're not, you know, I was like thinking this might be our first Yankee, but you're not a Yankee. You're just a Midwestern Northern <laughs> well, guy. That's actually what my name too, because she's from Kentucky. And yeah, I always call her a, a Southerner. And I'm going to, the Civil War reenactments, I'm going to go turn her into the Union side, you know, as a prisoner and stuff like <laughs> that. Shit. So yeah, she calls me a Yankee too, just because it's you know. that Northern line. One of uh, Shane's things too, when he's a heel, when he was up here, he would always say, uh, you know, if it wasn't for the North, we would have won the war. Yeah, it's just like it's kind of like a dog. Um, it's like you got it's so stupid you got to think about it because I know, so- I know that's genius. That's so yep. funny. Yeah. Well, okay. I tell you what, man. I don't want to. I don't want to cut this short, but I do want to lead into the name game. Is are you willing to play the name game with us, brother? I would love to. All right, we'll be right back. DJ, hit the music. All right, we are back with the name game and the ace of spades, Scott Spade. All right, so we always play the name game here. We just go over names. We're going to, you know, this will be a little bit of a, you know, going back over some of the names we talked about. Maybe we have some names that we haven't talked about yet. So just from our research, we've called these names and we think these will be interesting. So the very first one I'm going to go with, and Jared, we'll just do this back and forth, okay? The very first one I go with is, of course, Jimmy Blaze. Yeah, he is the guy that broke me into the business, and we've had a rocky relationship at one point. I left the company for a couple of years, and I came back, but he will. we've always got along uh, better now, again, than we've ever have, and uh, he will always be, no matter what, the guy that broke me in, and I will never, ever take it away from him. So if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be in this business. Yeah, that's awesome. Rough Crossing. Oh, my best friend. Um Best tag team partner I've ever had. Sorry, Rick, Forsaken. They'll probably kill me for saying that because he, he, I did another podcast here recently too, and he immediately said, Oh, I'm not your favorite tag team partner. Oh, sorry. No, it's because it, they said, Who was the better partner, Rough or Forsaken? I'm like, Oh my God, you're going to get me killed. Yeah. <laughs> he was my learning partner, and I had so much fun with him. But I just think, as far as like the chemistry in, like you said, the mind reading of noise boosts and tattoos is just yeah. such a phenomenal chemistry that we had together. And we, him and I are like the two, he's the only guy that I've ever gone all over the country with. You know, That's somebody awesome. that will always have my back, somebody that can always trust me. Somebody would always be there if somebody, you know, and does something stupid in the ring. And, you know, we've been everywhere at all those places, you know, Wisconsin, uh, Tennessee, Indiana, Michigan. We did a trip to Jimmy Valiant's house. Yes, he was there at Charles Coliseums. Yeah, yep. he invited us to his house. Yeah, and we went out there. Uh, we went to Kingsport, Tennessee, on the way. We did Huntington, West Virginia, and yep. then we stopped at Boogies on uh, Sunday. We did a trip up to Connecticut for a couple of dates. We did Florida. Uh, we worked for um, Alvin in oh. uh, Athens, Alabama, too. We okay. even yeah. got to be in early enough to actually work for him. I think he's passed away since then, hasn't he? Yes, sir. Yeah, okay. I do believe so. he, he yeah. was. 
pretty old, you know, not disrespectfully, but he was pretty old, you know, back then you right. know, when we were working for him. But, yeah, we actually got to do a couple shows, you know, for Alvin and Athens down there, too. So, yeah, we've been everywhere together, and he's he's been the perfect partner. And I know he's really busy right now to do the NWA thing, and we still yeah. got hook up one of these days, you know, oh, to get BT yeah. going again. If we can just do a match here, match there. But, yeah, I, I miss it very much. Yeah. Yeah, great tag team they've got going there. But, you know, talking about Boogie's school, that's funny because, you know, I love Boogie, respect him immensely, of course, who doesn't? But I wish you were a little more selective on the guys he puts out into the world, but we won't True. get into that. You know, I think one of his biggest claim to fame, obviously, is Hangman Adam Page, but some right. of the guys are not. <laughs> yeah, let's just go on here. <laughs> the, yeah, when he of, went there, he let us kind of train one of his classes for the day, too. Yeah, you know, let's go in there and help the guys out and stuff like that. And that's so cool. he, he was he was an amazing, amazing, nice guy. Yeah, and that so that area is basically our home turf, mine and my brother's home turf. So oh, really? we're okay. we're in southwestern Virginia near near Kingsport, near Bristol, yeah, Kingsport, Tennessee. Not far, yeah. yeah, not yeah, far at all. Oh, nice. Go there very often, actually. Now, I live in Charlotte, North Carolina, but whenever I'm home, we usually end up taking a trip to eat somewhere out that way. So okay. yeah, very cool. So the next name on the list is Tommy Capone. <laughs> Tommy Capone. Uh, yeah, he was a regular in the early CCW days when it started. I think he was actually the connection that got Forsaken up here because okay. they were in that PCW company together. He was a tag team partner of Jimmy Blaze. And I think he went by the name of Bobby Blaze. Oh, okay. Yeah. Spots, okay. His first name, yeah. And then he moved to Tennessee to become a police officer of some kind. Gotcha. What level if he's a sheriff or, you know, something like that. But I think that was the connection where he started wrestling down there. And that's where Forsaken came up and they got the whole idea to form the CCW company. But yeah, one of my early feuds in 2005 over the uh, CCW regional title, that's one of the belts that we had, was with Tommy Capone. Very yeah, cool. Good guy, too. I've always never had a problem with him at all. Very yeah, cool. He's a good dude. How about Eric Freedom? Eric Freedom, the uh, the real life hippie, that's for sure. He lives his gimmick. <laughs> One of the greatest guys, uh, total wealth of knowledge. He's originally here from, from Westmont, Illinois. Okay. Which is pretty close to where I grew up. And then uh, I don't remember how he, pretty early he moved up to Michigan in uh, Cadillac. And then he started his own company. And he used to do uh, WWF TV matches. Yeah. For all yeah. those guys, and he got a lot of connections out of that too. And he's he's really really smooth in the ring. And he same thing with Jimmy. He's gonna I think he's gonna end uh, stuff the end of this active career at the end of this year too. Wow, uh, I, I was able to do a lot of stuff with him too. And he he's such a pleasure in the ring to work with too. And he's got that thing in the ring too, where he'll try to make you laugh or crack up or do some goofy stuff. I remember <laughs> one of the earliest times I was in a battle royal, and he came over to me, started punching me in the corner, got up in the corner, did he like started doing the ten count, and he went down. For, instead of hitting the 10 punch, you know, came down to look like he was biting me, but he was sticking his tongue in my ear. <laughs> so he, he would do goofy, crazy stuff like that. You know, he would do something, leapfrog over you and goose you from behind, you know, when you go over you and yeah, crazy, funny stuff like that. But yeah, I love Eric. He's a great, great guy. That's awesome. Well, well, speaking of another great guy, we've got, you know, you've mentioned him several times now, and this is, you know, somebody that I think is hilarious and has always been the guy that you kind of uh, think of the guy that's very hilarious in the locker room is buzzed up. Oh, man. He does not get enough credit, I think, as one of the best big men in the area. Yeah. The, the places that he's gone to, he's always been, you know, his his weight has fluctuated or fluctuated, you know, from, I don't know what you want to say, 300 pounds maybe at his lightest to, you know, 450 or whatever. But, man, he can move. Yeah. He's, he's really, really light. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> Almost like you have to watch him right. to actually see and not, you know, versus the feel. Yeah. And yeah. he, he's such a great, great person. He would he would come up to and Forsaken and Chris Danger and him would always stay at my house when they would come up. And I, I had some really, really good times with with Buzzy. He's one of my favorite people. I always got to see and make sure when I come down for the uh, UConn show or the reunion or something down there. So we've had yeah. some really, really good matches together, too, up here and down there. That's I remember awesome. one time in uh, the Fox Lake town that we did up here, uh, we were the opening match of the show. And he was like so happy with the match and so proud of it. He was, and I think Chris Danger and Forsaken were standing at the top of the stairs where the locker room was at, and he just starts screaming out, "Top that, top that!" <laughs> so they got to laugh at everybody. And if you if you ever get him on the show, he'd be a good guest to have on the show, sure. Yeah, we're and, planning uh, if, on it. If you just mention those two words or mention my name, just ask him what "top that" means. He will know okay. exactly what I'm talking about. Okay, sounds good. We'll definitely do that. How about Terry Allen? Oh, Tenacious Terry Allen. The, uh, I did a really, really early feud, same thing, 2005, a six- or seven-month program with him, and he was a Windy City guy, too. Um, very, very snug, and that's mm-hmm. where I kind of learned to like the snug style. Um, I was in, a, I think, either a Battle Royal or a first match with him, and, man, his punch, and he actually had, like, the padded gloves on his hands too oh and he was just wailing on me in the corner and i remember coming up afterwards asking jimmy i'm like man did i do something wrong because i don't know if he was shooting on me or you know if he's pissed at me or whatever but i actually found out he called me like later in the week and it's it's almost like i'm, I'm embarrassed to think that but he's like no that's that's just how i work and you know you should learn how to work this way and so no you were great in there you did everything you followed me you did everything good but you know if you want people to believe you got you know you really got to be snug and this and that and yeah, he, we just did a show this last uh, couple of days ago, Saturday, and he was on the show. He'll do a show every once in a while. But yeah, I, I have massive respect for him. He, he's a man's man. He, he's a great, great person. Really good. Yeah, really that's awesome. Him. That's awesome. Very cool. Thunderfoot. Thunderfoot. Great gimmick. I wish he would have stuck with it versus the clown, but he, he has definitely excelled on Diablo the Clown for sure. Yeah. You know, that that's his own baby. It's his own creation. But the Thunderfoot gimmick was really, really hot, especially in Tennessee. I mean, if he would have sold pictures or something like that, he would have made a fortune. Yeah, no doubt. Fact, and they were always asking, when's he coming back? When's he coming back? And yeah, he was always mobbed with people. Like Great in, in look, mission Or, you know, just even coming out of the ring. Yeah. yeah he he yeah. was very athletic, very natural, talented. And, um, yeah, he had a great look. And him and I, I had a lot of tag matches with another partner of mine, uh, Dayhawk, against uh, him and Jamie. Very cool. They, uh, Jamie started painting his face, and he did, like, the, the black gear with like uh blue tiger stripes and he had he uh he gave a thunderfoot gave him a blue headdress so they kind of did the indian thing together up here at uh, ccw and that was one thing i was going to mention the look of thunderfoot because it wasn't the classic like wahoo mcdaniel multicolored black red style it was always had that blue tint to it and i did see stuff with jamie too because jamie was you know of course uh, we can say this now but he was (laughs) cyberpunk ice and that color scheme was in his gear that was made in mexico when he they were the cyberpunks there for a minute and yeah he was black and blue color yeah it always matched and it so it matched thunderfoot very well it looked good so how about joey chichi joey chichi he is probably one of the guys that i would say is too nice to be in the wrestling business if that makes sense oh yeah it does yeah Yeah. there's a few people that are like that you could probably count on one hand that are too nice to be in the business he's yeah those guys will do anything for you um whether it's in the ring or out of the ring 
one of the sweetest, nicest guys, super good sense of humor. Uh, him and I are actually really good traveling partners because none of us drink or smoke. We like our hotel rooms ice cold. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we don't complain about nothing. We're just easy going. He's a really good travel partner. We've done Michigan trips together and stuff like that. And yeah, he's a really, really good guy. That's awesome. Yeah, I love it ice cold, too. That's how you got to stay, man, because <laughs> yeah. I am I can sleep like a baby with that. But, yeah, that's cool. You know, it's funny that you bring up the, one of the nicest guys in the business because I do feel like this next guy is one of the nicest guys. But I do know that if you're on the wrong side, just like you said earlier, you, you can really meet a world of misery, and that's Mr. Forsaken, a.k.a. Rick Reynolds. Man. It, you know, it's almost hard to talk about him because I hold him in such high regard. It, it's almost like I could talk about him and start getting emotional because that's, that's how cool. much yeah. I think about him. Wow, that's awesome. And um, like I said, all I've ever wanted to be like of some, you know, somebody to look up to. Like I said, I never wanted to go to WWF or WWE. You know, I always wanted to just be the best that I could be where I was at, you know, have people respect what I do in the ring and just say I could have a great match with anybody. And he was the one guy, if there was any guy that I always wanted to be like, because I wanted to be the ultimate heel, which is what he is. And I, I just always loved that the devilish, evil, dark, you know, imagery and all that stuff. You know, it's 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 the way in my regular life too, the music and just the image of that stuff and you know, all my tattoos. And I, he is just such the master. He's my psychology professor. <laughs> That's awesome. And it just he was just such a, a vicious heel and. He did. He was the king of less is more. He didn't yeah. do a damn thing. Yeah. And he got these people on their feet, trying to get past the rope, trying to get over the guardrails, you know. And security would have to hold him back. And then just somebody that doesn't take a liking to anybody, and me having the honor of him taking me under his wing. I mean, that that means more to me than you know anything that I could ever imagine. He he, he is such. A special friend to me, and I, I wish I could see him more, you know, because we got, you know, distance in between. And, you know, we chat every now and then, but it's, I, I miss him so, so much. And yeah. I love being able to be a tag team partner of his. And it, it was just, it was so much fun. And that match that he described to you, his retirement match, and we, t we turned on him, and we actually, we did an angle where we dumped Drano in his eyes. <laughs> to start the feud and he came to the match blindfolded and then you know he ripped them off like he healed and then he you know kicked my ass for 20 minutes and it, it was it was just everything that we did together was just so special and I, I hold him in you know in the the ultimate highest regard over anybody that I've ever known in the wrestling business that's very cool, man. So the next guy, and I'm going to let Jared say the name, but like you said, Joey Chichi, I think this next guy is my guy. Now, I'm super happy that this guy is in the business because, first of all, he's great. Second of all, he needs to be in the business because the business needs someone like him. But he is also too nice for the business, even though he'll stand up for himself. He is absolutely got a heart of gold, and he, he's absolutely one of my best wrestling buddies. Go ahead, Jared. So if you if you've listened enough, you might know Jeremiah Plunkett. Yes, I remember wrestling him. I think in a tag match in Woodbury, Tennessee, really early in it. I think he started maybe a year after I did. It's Jay so Phoenix, had, I think. He was still working Jay Phoenix, I think. If I'm not. Yes, that was his name. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah, that's the name I got. Oh, here I found it. Uh, I had a singles. I had a singles match with him, and a tag match that same night. And that was yeah, in 2009, maybe, no, maybe 2007, I had uh, the match with him and then a tag match in Woodbury. Yeah, man, to see 
to him go from, I don't know what you would say, a little pudgy kid when he first started to really getting into shape and, you know, really taking it seriously and now seeing what he's doing with the NWA stuff. And, you know, we talked a little bit at the reunion and stuff. And, man, he deserves every bit that he's gotten. He's, he's such a, a good guy, and he, he's really taking his craft seriously, and he deserves nothing but anything that he gets. Really good dude. Yeah, love him to death. He means the world to me, and he absolutely knows why. So, yeah, the next name I've got on the list is we've talked about him, and I don't know if there's much more to add, but when it comes down to it, Jamie Dundee. <laughs> I know. It's, every time you mention that name, it's like you laugh because you get I know. so many different stories of, you know, what you've heard. And then now, you know, that I've had my own personal experiences with him. And, yeah, he's 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 taken really, really good care of Ruff and I. And I said he's always given the rub of, you know, putting us over with all the big names, you know, on those all those shows and stuff. And, you know, like I said, he was close enough with us. You know, he had me stand up in his wedding and stuff like that. And. Yeah, just great dude. Like I said, nobody knows. I don't really think unless, you know, you're really, really close to that. He really is one of the sweetest guys and he has a heart of gold and he'll do anything for you. But it's, it's just it's too bad that his crazy reputation, you know, kind of speaks for it. Even yeah. It's more in his past now. And I'm really glad that he's, you know, cleaned up. He's been that way for quite a few years now, too. And yeah, um, yeah, it, it's he's, he's a really, really good guy. He's, he's definitely opened the doors for for me and meeting all those legends that I've always, you know, looked up to and down there and. Yeah, he's he's a really nice guy. Yeah, I'll, great I will dude. never ever say anything other than nice things about him because you know he treated me great. So the next name on the list is your previous tag team partner to the team you had with Ruff in the Pure Evil tag team with D Hawk. Yeah, that was fun. Um, he started, I think, I want to say maybe a year and a half or two years after me, and I knew him. He was a mutual friend of Ruff. They all went to kind of high school area, the same location time i think they're both the same age a couple years younger than me gotcha and it was a good little team to start yeah we had, we had really good chemistry together did the evil thing and then we eventually kind of formed a three-way thing with forsaken and stuff and then you know eventually we turned on him because rick was going to retire you know and usually you go out you know as a baby face so we double crossed him and did our thing and yeah we had a lot of fun together we fit really good together that's awesome that's awesome We've mentioned him several times and nothing but good things to say, but just a little something extra about Shane Morton. Wow. I don't know if there if there is a limit on nice things to say about him. <laughs> I, I talked to him probably once a week now, too, especially now that he's booking. He's sending some guys of his up here uh, for the SCW company that I'm working for, and then they're starting to send some guys down there, so we're doing like, kind of like a cross. Nice. Uh, pollination, I, I guess you can say, yeah. I, I love that, yeah. He's always asking me, what do you think of this guy? What do you think of that guy? And this and that, and... Yeah, he, he's definitely my my second psychology professor after uh, after Rick for sure. Yeah, and just being just so smooth. Like I said, he's the greatest baby face I've ever been in the ring with, and just to open his house to us every time I come down there and you know take us out to dinner or you know put me over huge. You know when I again I'm not going to ask for it, but he's treated me you know just like a million dollars and anything I ever asked him. I, he'd give it to me without even without even thinking twice, and That's just awesome. knowing his kids, you know, since they were really really little, you yeah. know, Cody, Jerry Lynn, they're they're awesome guy and girl, and I remember seeing Cody when he was jumping on that trampoline, you know, when he was you know, gosh, seven years old, eight years old, you know, and then same thing, Jerry Lynn's a couple years older, and you know, knowing his whole family for such a long time, and there's so there's a there's a thirty five Mortons, I think, 
<laughs> yeah, three, there's, anyway. a lot of, there's a lot more than that, I think, because yeah. <laughs> of the numbers that his show got. <laughs> Let me just yep. say that they, there's a million Mortons because they they turned yeah. out for his podcast episode. I know yeah, that. Steve's a great guy. I remember Boba too. He's a good guy, and yeah, mm-hmm. there's a bunch. Brandon, Cody, all them. I mean, all of them. They're great. Yeah, and I know there's a million we haven't met, but when it comes down yeah. to it, all great people. I, I yes, yeah, yeah. So the very last one on the list is someone you're working with currently as a as a as a valet manager, and I'm going to wrap the name game up with Mistress Misery. Ooh, that's a curveball. <laughs> I didn't expect that one. Yeah, that's um, we met at uh, the Evansville Coliseum. That, that's pretty another reason why that place is pretty important to me, not just because the wrestling history and you know what we did there, but uh, she grew up in a wrestling family. Um, her mom and stepdad were both wrestlers, and she okay. actually grew up in OVW. Wow, okay, so she cool. was there as a little kid during that time of like 98 to 2001, where that huge superheroes, yeah. yeah, where all those guys came through. She was a little kid, you know, hanging out in the arena, and you know. She, she knows all those guys, you know, from back then, you know, when she was a little kid. Yeah. And then um, her stepdad would wrestle every now and then at the Coliseum, you know, and I would come from Chicago down there to Jamie's shows. And that's actually how we met at the Coliseum itself. Who's her stepdad? Uh, I'm not going to mention his name because he's not worth mentioning. I got you. <laughs> Sorry. But, yeah, Fair enough. No, that's uh, fine. <laughs> I li- I li- that's an interesting gimmick not worth mentioning I like it I know yeah. several of them so. <laughs> yeah they're, they're like their own little faction <laughs> yeah, he's, he's not worth anything so he's not and it, it's a former step that too so it's gotcha understand uh, and then yeah we had a long distance relationship you know from Louisville to here for uh four months or so and then you know just after that long it's like we really hit it off and uh, actually Jamie and that father Jay guy were actually the two that actually got us together. Very cool. So that's yeah. another thing I can I can uh, thank Jamie for. He, he's one of the guys that uh, kind of talked to both talked to her for me, kind of to get us talking together. And uh, yeah, after four months of her living down there, I thought, hey, I want you to come up here, move in with me, and you're the one I want. So she's been <laughs> been uh, married for over just over. T- oh, it was ten years in March, and we've been together for twelve. That's awesome. Yeah, very yeah. cool. So I want to throw this out there. Now, my brother and I were huge G.I. Joe fans growing up, okay? Mm-hmm. So we loved all the G.I. Joe characters, but two, probably our favorite part of G.I. Joe, not, you know, of course there was Snake Eyes and all that, but we loved the Dreadnoughts. Dreadnoughts and yeah. from the visual visual element of you guys, you remind me like you're just a couple Dreadnoughts from G.I. Joe. Now, I'm not sure if you're familiar with yeah, the, the I- I yeah. never get into G.I. Joe, so I'd have to look that one up. My favorite was Masters Universe He-Man. Oh, dude. Yeah, there's. I mean, that was also our favorite. But yeah. when it came down to it, I think we were probably bigger G.I. Joe fans. They were like the punk rock element of Cobra. You okay. understand what Cobra and G.I. Joe are, right? Yes, so, yes. Yeah. yeah, I never. I know what the things are, but yeah, I never actually wa- actively watched the show. Gotcha. Yeah, I know what they kind of look like and stuff like that. But yeah, we do more of a um, – because like I said, I like the heavy metal stuff, but I'm the main like – faction of metal i like is death metal oh okay stuff yeah that, that's kind of the way with the the spiked uh gauntlets that i have a lot of the yeah. band that genre of filth and, yeah. yeah yeah did you ever think about doing like corpse paint at all no i never thought about i never painted my face i've actually never worn a hood either believe it or wow not. 
Hey, I mean, when you're as good looking as we are, come on, why, why hide that bald head, right? Exactly. If you're bald head and you got a beard, you're set. You don't have to cover it up. Check and check. <laughs> ladies just fall at our feet. We're married. We're both married men, but ladies, don't quit. Just keep, you know, just keep your distance, girls. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> can I add one name to the name game? Of I course you can. You have that right. Yeah. Yeah. One guy I don't want to miss out, and he's become a super close friend of mine and he's on that list of people I think that is too nice to be in the business and you guys did an interview with him too and that is Ben Jordan oh dude love Ben yeah, oh, yeah. I have become very close with him we talk a couple of times a week now and I've known him you know for uh, 15 years you know from going back and stuff down there and he is the nicest guy in the world my wife loves him too and I remember at the last reunion she asked if he was going and that was her deciding factor on if she was going or not. Well, Ben's not, and I'm not going. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> so she loves him too. And his wife is amazing too, Luana. She's a great girl. Yeah, great and, people. Uh, they're just so nice. And you know, I want to tell these young kids too is that it's um, you don't ever have a limit of how long you've been in the business to actually ask opinions or get advice from other people. Right. And I always have my my door, my phone, anything open. If people want to send me questions for advice or send me matches for whatever to critique, I send my interviews and I send my matches to Ben. Yeah. Because yeah. he actually, I think he actually initiated that. Oh, if you want to send me anything anytime. And I'm like, absolutely. Yeah. You know, somebody who's as good as you are. And as long as you've been around and, you know, I love him as a friend, you know, we've been really good friends for a long time. And it's just like, of course you're, you're never too young to get critiqued you're never too young to ask for advice and there's nobody you know not even you know rick flair or you know anybody that's wrestled for 50 years that knows everything yeah there's nobody well, knows everything exactly and you know what's funny is where i edit and produce all the podcasts that i do i'm constantly up super late at night and randomly just every so often at like 1 30 in the morning i'll get a text from ben and i'm like brother ben is still up he's doing yep. it he's got my hours but then he also works early in the morning i think so it's like he never sleeps but yeah he takes me in the morning at five o'clock in the morning he's like oh i hope i didn't uh wake you up or something like that because he listened to another interview I did and he said oh it was so exciting I couldn't wait to tell you and I'm like dude I'm up at 4.30 so you can text me anytime though it's not early for me so yeah yeah, I had to give a shout out to him because he's we've become very close and I love the guy to death he's such yeah, a and, and I'm sorry Ben for not bringing you on the list man I'm so sorry I'll, <laughs> that, I'm is, sure I'll... that is one dream match that I've always wanted to have that we never got to have and I'm I'm still trying to convince him I just did it yesterday like get one more match in you don't you come on yeah, come on, come on just it, it'll be more. a no bump match I promise you know, yeah, come out there. Yeah. I always dude. wanted to have noise booze and tattoos against the Wild Boys. Oh, dude, that's great. They, I mean, I love the Wild Boys. Yeah. We're gonna have both of them on in the future. But when it comes down to it, man, Ben is just one. Ben is also similar to the Joey Chichis and Jeremiah Plunkett's, even though his resume is on par with anyone. His match yes. history and legends are just absolutely incredible. But when it comes down to it, he's almost too nice for the business because oh, he's yeah. just such a nice guy, man. Yes, you know. He yeah, yes, he is. incredible dude. Well, hey, man, you passed the name game, Scott. So good job. Right. That's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you did throw me a curveball in there, putting uh, the mistress in there. That, that was—I'll give you credit for that one. I did not expect that one. Well, we always try to throw one curveball, whether it's question <laughs> or name. So that no, I'm, I, I'm, 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 yeah. I am so proud to have her. You know, not just as my manager, but as my wife as well, because we get along so so good and that's something i've always wanted to actually be with somebody that is in the business yeah and so she was born into the business mm -hmm. so, and she knows how it goes you know yeah with both of her parents her grandfather was a referee her great grandma actually funded ovw for a little bit when danny davis was having money problems that's awesome so she i mean it's a fourth generation thing 
Wow. She, yeah. she got it when she was 15 years old. And it's like, that's all I've ever wanted was to be with somebody in the business so they know the lifestyle. Wow. And, you know, how important it is because I don't want to have, you know, somebody that's not and, you know, somebody try to tell me, oh, you shouldn't do this anymore. Or, you know, it's all this and that. But I always wanted it so I could do it with somebody, too. That's awesome. So wherever yeah. she goes, I go. And wherever I go, she goes. So she's, yeah. she's my my best friend, my manager, my wife. She's everything all rolling in the walk. That's right, brother. That's all you can ask for, man. That's awesome. Well, we always wrap up the show with one final question from the Plastic Sheik, and I believe we've ranked it as his number two favorite question. So so, so go ahead, Sheik. Take it over. Um, So, Scott, tell us, um, if you can, it's going to be a hard question, but your favorite match you ever had. (sighs) Hard question is right. Um. Again, Rick's probably going to kill me for this one. It, it's really hard to narrow down one. Um, first, first thing usually I always think of, even though it was so short, was uh, noise, booze, and tattoos against the Rock and Roll Express. Yeah, you know, just just being them, and then that building. Um, definitely that retirement match that he talked to you about with me and him um, at Russell Rage Five, where yeah. it was uh, retirement versus hair. Yeah, that was just amazingly special because for for him picking me to be the last guy that he wrestled, you know, to end his career out that was just an unbelievable, amazing honor. Um, you don't care if I give you a couple, do you? No, man. Okay. No, go ahead. Because it's so hard to think of one. Um, I remember it was just a regular match, but it, it meant a lot to me because it kind of picked off of one of my heroes. Um, and did you ever guys hear a name of a guy named Mitch Ryder? Yes, of course. Yeah, absolutely. He's since passed away too. Right, right. I know that's crazy. Half the people that we've been in the business with are gone, and that, that's crazy. It is. Um, he used to run a company called XCW in Accordion, Indiana, and we did a bunch of shows there. And um, I know you mentioned him on one of your shows before. Um, I knew Josephus. Oh, love him. Yeah, from doing Evansville or yeah Evansville shows at the Coliseum, and he came. And did a couple shows there, and that's when he was maybe only in like a year and a half, and he was riding around with Dutch. So Dutch was kind of mentoring him a little yep. bit. Yep, Dutch trained and him too. Yeah, great guy. When uh, that was like one of the very first times uh, Mistress came out with me. She did another gimmick back then. She wasn't the Mistress yet till she came back here um, the last couple years ago. But uh, she came out with me that night. We were the opening match, and it was uh, me against Josephus, and then it was going to be rough against Too Tough Tony which was going to be a big uh, schmoz thing. And then it was going to make it, you know, lead into a tag match later on. Gotcha. Okay. Which I've always loved that formula. That's, that's, that's Southern booking at its best. Two yes, it is. They go into a tag match. I love yep. that. Exactly. Yeah. So we were the first match and he was doing the Brody gimmick at the time. Mm-hmm. And man, did he look like Bruiser Brody. I know, bro. He had the furry boots. He had the tights, you know, pulled up higher, you know, kind of towards his belly button. He had a big barrel chest on him. His legs were huge and he had the beard and the hair and he had everything. And I never seen him put his, you know, I didn't know what he wore to the ring. I th- I thought he had a chain, but I wasn't sure. He did. Yeah. I went out to the ring first. Yeah. And then it was like an old schoolhouse building. And there was like a, a balcony where the locker rooms were at upstairs where you can actually watch from the match or watch the matches up at the balcony. So me and Mistress were in the ring. And all of a sudden I hear the music start playing and it's the immigrant song by Led Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. And I turned and looked at her. I'm like. Oh my God. And my, my, cause that was Brody's song. Yeah, exactly. And I lifted my arms up and my arms were just, my whole body was like goosebumps. Yeah. And it was just like electrically, my whole body was just charged. And then I see him coming out 
of the door at the top of the balcony and he had the furry vest on and he was swinging the chain. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, it was the weirdest. It was almost like an out of body experience because he did that gimmick so well with the music, the look that I actually felt like bruiser Brody himself was coming down. Yeah. Making his entrance. I mean, it, it was the most amazing thing. And then he came in the ring and I kind of talked to him before, you know, just make sure you can do everything as much like him as possible. You know, don't have to worry about me because, you know, he's one of my favorite guys of all time. You know, yeah. so I know how to work against him if I really did. And, you know, whatever I do, don't bump and stuff. And man, he was just he did that gimmick so, so well. But just it getting your body electrified like that when I heard that music and then to see him come out, it, it was just like it made me feel like I wasn't I was in the ring with him, the guy himself. That's amazing. It's an amazing moment. Yeah, dude, really? that's awesome. Yeah, I love that. And Josephus is a great friend and and a huge loss to the business. Yes. And I I really just I'm so glad he got his day in the sun just for a second there. And it's just so heartbreaking. He meant a lot to you know to all of us in the Nashville scene. I think it was just such a big loss to lose him. And really so young and so smart and so talented and such promising future. You know, but yeah, he was one of those guys too that couldn't be nicer. And yeah, that, exactly. That's one, another reason, one of the many reasons why I love Tennessee wrestling, because Tennessee is the land of nice people. I, don't, <laughs> they, I can't think of like anybody in the business that I've ever had a problem with that anybody isn't, you know, just super nice about everything. Gary Valiant, yeah. boogie boy. I love him to death, too. Yeah. Super, super nice guy. Another, another one of those yeah. guys that belongs yeah. on that list, too. Really mm-hmm. love that guy. And I got to get yeah. a match with him before he retires, too. Oh, yeah. Well, it's never up, worked man. for me. Yeah. All right. Well, Scott, thank you so much for coming on yeah, the man. show, man. Really means a lot. We definitely appreciate having you on. Brother, we'll have to get a part two in with you in the future. I'm thinking of some kind of like, you know, committee show, some kind of episode where we can get a bunch of guys together and we'll we'll get you in, I promise. But yeah, that'd be cool yeah. to have like a roundtable discussion thing. Yeah. yeah that that yeah. would be amazing. Yeah, because I'm it. definitely uh, consider myself kind of a wrestling historian too. So that would be it. cool to talk about topics like that. Yeah, I would love that. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll book you, man. I promise you'll. You'll be back. But, uh, Sheik, you got anything before we wrap it up? Hey, maybe just real quick. Uh, I know you uh, mentioned action figures there earlier. How about your favorite LJN or your favorite Hasbro? Ooh. Um, favorite LJN is probably I have the Roddy Piper mm, in the first series. Her. You know, all of them are on card. Um, and it's, it's actually an error card. It's the correct bubble that he's in, but he's actually on a Jimmy Hart card. Whoa. Wow. It's wow. got the Jimmy Hart poster and the name on the bottom, and then the whole back has the Jimmy Hart. Uh, you know, the cutaway bio card. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. So, yeah, it's an error card. I, I got it, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago on eBay for $66. Don't let wow. Matt Cardona hear about that one. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've seen errors, wow. of, you know, later stuff in the series, but I've never seen one that dramatic. Yeah, that's crazy. That's, that's awesome. A, yeah, man, that's awesome. Very cool. Well, thank you so much, Scott. You're the best. And, you know, hey, if you're out there and you're able to catch Scott on the indies, definitely do it while you can because this guy is doing some incredible stuff. Can't put him over enough. Go ahead and give him your socials before we wrap it up, and we will uh, let you go, man. I'm on Facebook, uh, A. Scott Spade. I do have Instagram, uh, same thing. Uh, Two, I think, three T-shirts on there. Anybody can hit me up anytime for that or come to the shows. Uh, Mistress Misery, same thing. She's got a page couple t-shirts for her too and we you know we have a book of pictures and stuff you can buy at the shows and hopefully i can make it down to tennessee one more time before the year's over yeah man absolutely and we'll bring mistress misery on next time with you okay that sounds good yeah absolutely 
All right. Well, thanks again, Scott, so much. And, you know, we just appreciate it. And like I said, we'll get you back sometime soon. And thank you so much and take care. And for the podcast itself, we've appreciated you telling your story, man. So we'll talk to you soon, brother. God, I absolutely loved it. And I, this is probably the most anticipated podcast for me. I could not wait to do this because I've heard so much about it. And I love listening to you guys. And thank this you. has been an absolute pleasure. Really, really good time. So well, thank I hope you we, so much for thinking of me to have me on. I hope we lived up to absolutely, it, brother. Man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again, Scott Spade. And we'll be right back to wrap things up with the plastic chic on. Give me back my pro wrestling. Oh, man. Thanks so much, Scott. You're the best, brother. That was really fun. Good. Appreciate it, Scott. Thanks, man. Really fun. All right. Well, we'll talk to you soon, buddy, okay? All right. Awesome. Thank you so much. This is the big picture, Michael Jablonski. Don't forget to tune in every week to Jablonski's Pissed Off on the Mike Jablonski's Pissed Off YouTube channel. The Muslim in this sport He's going to tell you all about it. He doesn't care what you think. You're going to hear all about it. Mike Jablonski. Hey everyone, this is Shane from Insane Shane's World. I release wrestling figures of enhancement talent, mid-card wrestlers, and wrestlers that you never thought would have a figure available. So if you are interested in adding a really cool and rare figure to your collection, then don't hesitate to contact me at shamtheman73 at gmail.com. That's S-H-A-M, the man 73 at gmail.com. You can also join my Facebook group. Just search Insane Shane's World. Oh, Sheik, Scott was cool. Was he cool or what, man? Yeah, man, he was definitely cool. It's, you know, he's he, he's got so many good stories, and, you know, he's, you know, as big a fan of, like, Rick and Shane as, as all of us are. So it's, it's it's good to hear the things about uh, some of our past guests that he's had interactions with and, you know, all all good stuff, man. You can tell he loves those guys, man, for sure. So, you know, talking about how much he looked up to both of them as far as in different likes and stuff. And we feel the same way. We look up to both gentlemen as well. So definitely thank you all for listening to that. We definitely had a fun time with Scott. You know, it's funny, man. We're so used to the Southern accent that it was like at first a little bit. Hold up what's this guy where's he from you know mm-hmm. but he's got a great story to tell it was great to hear all of his stories and man that dude's just super passionate and i think that's the that's the line that all of our interviews are just so many guys that have been so passionate about the business man you know absolutely man it's it's good to see that passion runs true and you know it was good to as good you know you sent me a a video of his uh his like toy room thing and you get the plastic sheet get a little itchy there so <laughs> i know i was like it's good man he's got some on card ljns and hasbros and a lot of masters of the universe stuff man it's yeah it's good stuff good stuff yeah he sent that directly to me i, I mean just now after he, we talked to him he sent it to me and now i had to send it immediately to you before we started recording the last segment so yeah lots of lots of beautiful cool stuff and just yeah i'm just i mean it just i didn't want to be nosy but just 
in your plastic chic world, how much do you think that room is worth? Mm. I'm not real up on what the Masters of the Universe costs, but I'm gonna. Uh, but still, I'm just gonna say if it's like original uh, Masters of the Universe, I gotta figure they're seventy five hundred dollars a pop. I mean, I, I would guess on card like that, right. if not if not more for the for for a harder to get one. The LJNs, man, um, wow! I, I, I you don't see hardly any of those. Even the more common ones go for less than like one hundred twenty five on card. You know, he's had a Vince McMahon on card. I saw there, you know, that, that figure itself can go for 200 bucks in really great condition. That's out of the pack. So yeah, on the yeah. card, like that's hard to tell. And the Hasbro's, I would say they're every bit of a hundred dollars a pop. I mean, too, I mean, I, I, I would have to look back at the video and, you know, I just took a quick glance at it um, first. So I, I'd have to look back and see what he had, but what I, I mean, oof, it's gotta be. I don't know, five thousand plus. I mean, I would think. Uh, and again, that's just your quick estimate. Don't. That, that's the value. I, I would say. I wouldn't say that. That's. Uh, I would say he he's been a collector for a while. He might have got some better deals than the current market. Yeah, I I can see what you were. What I meant was is like as far as trying to figure out you know a specific value. You know, it's hard to tell. But anyway. Yeah, man, you, you just never know. You just never know on that. I mean, I, I'm hoping he, he got in. I think he's been a collector for a while, so I'm hoping he got in before the the toy craze um, that I somewhat blame on the Major Wrestling Figure podcast. I think that they – I do I do too, man. Yeah. I really think I really think they, they got collectors back to collecting some of them, and they caused the price to go up. But, I mean, yeah. it's good and bad. So – yeah, I mean, when does the bubble burst? That's what I'm thinking, you know. Yeah, that's why you gotta, that's why you gotta know what you have and everything like that. So, and the only thing I really don't like is how, you know, like how they'll have something mint, especially one of them old things that they're not making any more of, you know, and they rip them open. Dude, Matt Cardona ripped open a mail away Hulk Hogan Hasbro the other day. I mean, Man. not too long back. It's yeah. like in its plastic little bubble, just ripped it open. On, I'm sure he has another one in the bubble, but still, it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> just because he wanted a loose one to display, he, he just wanted one for display. Yeah, better display. Mm. So, do you, is that yeah. like a method for him to up the value of them? That's like one less on the market. You know, I mean, maybe, but I mean, I don't, I don't think that's his necessary ploy with that. I just think that he likes he likes to let them breathe, as he says. So. Mm. Yeah, he's he's I, I I agree. He's just at that point he has enough money. He's not worried about it, and you know he 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 wants one to display, and I get it. So, but yeah. well, man, I think that was a great show. You know, honestly, I I don't really have much more to add. Of course, we've got at GMBMPW on all the social media platforms, and go support us, like us, follow us, all that. Of course, definitely on YouTube. Please do that. I've definitely seen the YouTube numbers gone up. You made a chic shorts for the Wolfie D podcast for Lodi. That's almost near six thousand views now. So that's crazy, man. I know, man. We gotta we gotta figure out how to method that madness and and keep it going. You know, so yeah, yeah. I don't. I mean, it's just you know, if I've created ones before that I thought were gonna take off, that it never do anything. Yeah. Uh, and then all of a sudden you get like another one and it's like, yeah, that. it's like, okay. They just randomly pop off, man. And then that one, the one that I made with the ultimate warrior and sting in it, 
you know, that one might not ever be beat, man. I think it's, uh, I hope 30, it does get beat, but I do too. Yeah. But 35,000 some that I haven't looked at it in a long time, so I don't know how many it's got now, but it doesn't really matter. Go on YouTube, go to at GMBMPW, go to at live Wolfie D, go to all these things, support us, follow us. We enjoy doing this for you all and we enjoy making these videos and talking wrestling man so i think with that i'm gonna wrap today's show up you cool with that chic yeah brother i'm good man all right well for the ace scott spade for the plastic chic jared street i'm jimmy street we are give me back my pro wrestling thank y'all for listening don't forget the ace of spades <laughs> <laughs> With a tear in my eye. This is the greatest moment in my life. This has been a James Rock Street production.